Welcome to Light the Sky, episode 1991, Metallica, self-titled, also known as the Black Album. And here we are with episode five. We are Light the Sky podcast, and we are a show of opinions. We are four guys who grew up not listening to this music in its prime, but in retrospect. So I think we'll have some good opinions here as we cross the Rubicon into mainstream Metallica. They are no longer a niche band. They are no longer the trendsetters of a subgenre that gets little to no radio airplay. We are at the peak. We are at the point where they have become the biggest band in the world and here we are uh starting with chris you are first up give us your out of 10 in your one sentence review your starting point before we get to track by track uh yeah my uh my out of 10 will be 7.5 and my one statement is top heavy interesting alex what's up yeah oh man that's a, that's a good way to put it i mean this I forgot how great this album is. I hadn't listened to it in a, in a really long time, top to front, and or you know, sorry, top to bottom, and it surprised me a little bit. I think I'm going to give it a pretty high rating, to be brutally honest. I think I'm going to go with an eight point five. I, I think it's very consistent. Um, what's my one sentence that I would give it? Um, maybe back to the front is maybe going to be my uh, my one little blip there. It surprised <laughs> me. It, I forgot about it, and uh, I, I enjoy it a lot. Okay. I follow up. Uh, I will say that the formula is broken, and for a moment, they are now the biggest band in the world, and they've started to drift a little too close to those 90s CD formats. Very top-heavy, too many songs, and too long. But does being the biggest band in the world... Does that make it all worth it? I think it kind of does. I think it deserves a seven. All right. Uh, so then it's up to me. I'm going to give this an 8.5 and oh. say the Gateway album. Nice. I agree with okay. that. Okay. Interesting. Kevin and Alex shooting high. Chris in the middle and me bringing up the rear. Let's see how our opinions change. Let's get to the track by track. Enter the Black Album. Hit it off. Take it away, Kevin. Your bed, in your closet, in your Thirty seconds, right there. Yeah, I know. yeah this is going to be a uh, going to be an interesting because uh, this is kind of a moment in time album. Uh, yeah, probably more than any other of their. Uh, but yeah, what can you say? I mean, talk about an opener. I know it's overplayed, uh, but it's funny. This is one of the few overplayed songs that I actually still really like listening to. I don't know if it was because more when I started playing guitar that I kind of appreciated it more from a songwriting perspective. Uh, 
But because uh, I know you I mean you, t- you listen to rock DJs and like rock journalists talking about it. And it's like I never want to hear that song again. I just want to like it's just at every sporting event. But yeah, you can't argue. I mean, it's just a I mean, it's a songwriting song. I mean, it's one where it it doesn't meander. It doesn't uh, it, it kind of it gets stuck in your head. Uh, and that's takes a lot of talent when you talk about rock music um yeah as far as having something that just kind of again just it's like branding on your brain <laughs> there is no yeah. and there yeah. is a yeah, few there's and there's few songs of that yeah of that genre that have kind of done that i mean to that extent maybe crazy train maybe a little bit behind that but nothing that reached uh, kind of the 30 million selling point that kind of reached everybody from your sister to your mom who knows uh that was kind of the one thing i remember uh slightly before we started uh, doing the Metallica discography, I remember I was listening to, I don't know, for whatever reason, this album. And my mom's like, oh, I know that song. And it's like, okay, then that just tells you, okay, yeah, they, the, this band has reached, yeah. Yeah, once you reach sure. there, there's no going back. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, that, that moment there, too, when it switches over from, um, you know, just, just pounding drums to the acoustic guitar comes in over that. Um, you know, they've been trying that so hard. This band has been trying to really meld that sound that, you know, they weren't borrowing it from Yes, but, you know, like changes where you have this super clean guitar over just this rhythmic cycle. And, you know, they tried it with Fight Fire with Fire. They tried it with Orion, you know, and now they finally found a moment where it locks, where you can just sit there in the studio and be like, you know, guys, this is working. <laughs> like, you know, and, like, <laughs> like it is like you just I don't know if I would go as far to call this song. I can't call this album it but this song you know a a a magic moment um but it certainly is i think as close as they've ever been it really is an opener that i you know i'm not sure if i never want to hear it again but you know and listening to it you know grudgingly i suppose um you know i was thinking you know what that's probably my fourth coolest metallica moment to date one being creeping death two being blackened and uh we'll get to three this is i think number four Mm -hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. It's like you read off my notes there because I was writing about the magic in this song and the guys that, you know, this is working. And there, there is something about the song that gets that feeling. I remember it was a couple of years ago is uh, you had everybody over, Mark, and I think we had just finished eating or something. And I, I went downstairs. I was banging on the drums and Alex oh, came downstairs. That, yeah. Yeah, I, I was banging on the drums, and I, I am not a good drummer by any means, but I kind of started up that that intro to the song that that toms and bass intro, oh, I and Ale- this. Ale- yeah. Alex started playing that riff, and we turned up the volume, yeah. and there's something in that gets you inside in your chest. You're like, yeah. this is the coolest thing ever, and I'm not even playing it well i you know but this is like this is awesome yeah and th- that's all you can say is just like that magic just gets you yeah yeah I, I, I'm, I'm gonna back that up as well and, and in hindsight if i could go back i don't know if you want to cut this or add this in here but i i have my official opening statement for the record and it is this is my music to drive your car down the highway album because I don't know if it's the addition of Jason's bass that's in there or it's just the grooves, but this song has it. There's a couple more songs later down the road that have it. Like this is like the driving flying down the highway record. I, I think it's 
outstanding. I think the production is here. I was thinking when I was listening to this record the other day, imagine if, if Justice had this production because I feel like they they fixed whatever they might have done wrong on Justice and they fixed it here. The, the bass is there. It's a little bit more... Uh, tighten it and a little heavier and I think it's great and mm -hmm. yeah I mean this song had to be I'm sure my introduction to the band and and Chris you, you said that well where like yeah my dad knows this song and you know he grew right. up he's, he's a he's a classic rock 70s 70s kind of a guy and I mean I, I think he even appreciates you know some things that happen on this mm -hmm. record as well and yeah, I mean, super overplayed. It's got to be the most popular Metallica song, but you could still kind of listen to it and be like, yeah, I mean, it, it works. There's some cool blues stuff going on, right. Kirk's solos. And yeah, you're right. The uh, If it is following the formula with doing sort of that clean acoustic, not that it's acoustic, but that clean guitar intro, it's locked in here. I think mm -hmm. it's great. Do you think sure. anybody think that they should have uh, followed the old formula just a little bit more and opened up with a barn burner and then had Enter Sandman and the two spot? I don't, I don't know. Made a difference? Right. I mean, you mm. read interviews with the band. I mean, I think they were just burned out from what they had done on the as far as just the blistering kind of, uh, let's see how many things we can do in six, seven minutes. Yeah. And maybe I think at this yeah, point, I'm, I think they I'm had, not sure. Um, yeah. yeah, this this I think was, again, kind of, it was kind of a pushback against what where they had just kind of come from, where it's like, okay, stripped down. I mean, this is getting into the territory of, well, okay, I can kind of remember, I can remember the guitar solo, and I can actually, without even hearing the song, I can sing the lyrics in my head, which is not something you can necessarily say. Not that, not that, because we're, we're big fans that we can't dig into the older, the more underground stuff, but here it really, yeah, it really kind of locks into your, and they really are kind of getting a grasp of that pop sensibility. Sure. Before we move on, yeah. I want to play one uh, clip. There is a moment in this song where let's see if I can find it. Um, right here. This is. It's not often that you can hear a moment where a band becomes the very coolest band in the world. But I think there's one on this record in this song. That laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Running over the bed in the music video. Yeah. Oh. I mean, we, we already listened to this, but like, yeah, I just that, had to point that out. That is the moment like, where Metallica <laughs> conquered the world with that. I they were just metal. I great great live moment, too. That's forgot, always a great pyro I forgot, moment. I forgot all about that music video. That it, It's a creepy video because it really does capture a nightmare so well where it's kind of slow and staggered and, and one other quick memory i'll have about this song uh that i forgot but when i did see metallica for the the one and only time in 2009 i didn't like like i said in previous episodes you really didn't know what their set list was going to be like because they switch it up every night so uh watching them this was the last song right before the encore so they played nothing else matters but i remember that song fading out after the guitar solo and James dropped down to his knees and the spotlight was just on him and he was just <laughs> holding a note out like it was sustaining and you didn't know what would come next. And then all of a sudden, boom, out of nowhere, boom, do na na na. And it was like, it gave me chills. And I usually yeah. don't, because it, it was so unexpected. It's not like you could look at the set list and you're like, oh, this is coming. It was just perfect. And the whole Allstate Arena erupted and it, it was a great concert memory. So. <laughs> all right uh let's go on to one of the biggest meanest riffs of all time in my opinion that's yep. sad but true 
you know, without going into my second comment uh, too quickly, I just have to mention that Lars's attitude sets the tone for this record. The attitude mm-hmm. fills uh, are just killer, and I have to, I will bring a comparison up later that might uh, get as to maybe the source of some of that from a 1990 record. But uh, I wanted to also talk about cinema here, um, and this is a, a song that is just a churning metal machine, and, you know, the, the, here's, it's going to be kind of weird, but um, Little Big's AK-47 video, if anybody has had the privilege <laughs> of seeing that video, what it is, you got to see it to believe it. But it's basically kind of like taking uh, a lot of Disney scenes and putting a Russian spin on it, I guess. And there's that scene from Fantasia where, you know, like the brushes or no, the brushes, the brooms are marching. Yeah. And that always freaked me out as a kid, that scene. I don't know why. And Little Big, they did an AK-47 march. And it's just these AK-47s <laughs> marching, you know, in eternity. That is what I see with this song. Just AK-47s just marching on. It's such sure. a nightmare. And what a follow up to uh, Enter Sandman as a nightmare song. I absolutely agree with that. It, it does have its own eerie feeling, and I like that. That the kind of vibe is contiguous there, where it's just like you have that kind of nightmare enter sad man, and then especially those guitars in the chorus. Yes, of yep. sad but true. That they, they, they kind of like wind down in a way. They're like, yeah, uh-huh. it's oh, that is my favorite part of the whole song. That you know, the riff is amazing, but the, when those guitars come in, it just adds this layer that's incredible. Yeah, yeah I uh, he pretty much kind of filled in all the uh, <laughs> as far as where to go from there. Uh yeah, the in James's vocals, I mean on this, I mean this is one of many examples on here. It just yeah, I don't know what Bob Rock did. To, uh, but he really kind of pulled those heavy melodic kind of timbers right out of there, and it really punches hard. It just showed it was it was it's kind of cool just seeing that Metallica was willing. I mean, unlike a lot of bands that came from that kind of subculture, to, willing to grow and kind of go into more kind of unique uh, kind of versatile territory. Uh, and yeah, I just love, and you can, it almost seems like James is kind of following the riff with his vocals too. I don't know. Again, there's, you can see this is a band that's just locked in. I mean, just after the kind of the, the insanity of the previous record. Now you can see there is a much, like they're really working together here. Um, yeah. Um, funny enough, I don't know if the, if you guys kind of caught this, cause again, I mean, with any band, they're going to be pulling from their history, even if it's a couple of notes or or a whole section. But yeah, Kevin, at 248, uh, I don't know, for for whatever reason, this kind of gave me Justice vibes a little bit as far as the riffing, just briefly. Yeah, it's kind of. You know, I can tell you why. Um, and we talked a little music theory in last episode when I was picking apart um, that. W- what was that solo from Kirk? 
I was literally uh, (laughs) just about to comment on this, the shortest straw part. Yeah. 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 It's (laughs) E Phrygian. It's just that E to F or, you know, just, this is probably down to it. I don't know exactly. I don't have perfect pitch, so I can't tell you what key it is. It's It's, it's a full step down. Yeah. But no, um, yeah, no, I was going to say the same thing because I remember the, what the hell was that during shortest straw where he was doing a blues solo in G (laughs) over that E minor Phrygian or whatever. And right before you cut off this last clip, he goes into that solo. And I actually think whatever key that's in, it's definitely a very bluesy pentatonic solo Mm -hmm. from Kirk, but it seems to work actually this time versus whatever maybe he was trying to do in shortest straw, which I don't know. Maybe he was just trying to be chaotic and weird, but yeah. Bob Rock put his foot down. Yeah, and and I really don't have too much to say here because you guys really covered it. Kevin mentioned my favorite part as well with the uh, those eerie lead lines during the course really convey that, excuse me convey that mood. But they're getting really sludgy here, and mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if you could kind of see where maybe Pant I I think they had a different Pantera. Uh, yeah, you noticed that too. Idea. There were a few moments on here like that. The, there was a, there was there was one in an earlier episode. I don't know if it was on Master Ride the Lightning where they started getting kind of sludgy, and I'm like, oh, I, I, I could see Pantera hearing. It. Oh, you know what it was? It would have been no remorse, I think. But mm-hmm. uh, here, you could kind of see where maybe Pantera took and took that and ran with it, like maybe on a walk or something like that, or maybe it was the other way around. Maybe Metallica was listening to Pantera, but At yeah, this point, who knows? Yeah, but no, uh, this has been a really fun one to play on guitar. I think I've maybe played this in a band or two sometime in a garage somewhere back <laughs> yeah. in the day. And uh, it's one like of those big of hits that it's 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 fun. It's it's yeah. good number yeah. two. You, you know, and Chris uh, mentioning James' vocals, if I had to say, if we're going to sidestep the production being the obvious comment on this record, and then Lars's attitude drumming being number two, I would say James' vocals number, are number three. There yeah. are some moments I'll point out later where it's just like, that's some good singing. Like, that's just from a guy who's like, you know, a, a rhythm player, fundamentally. Um, right. And, you know, that probably just sang because he was the best of the band. Like, he didn't come into this as a trained, you know, singer he wasn't freddie mercury or anything like let's let's be honest here uh, but he's really developed into i think something on this record or bob rock found a way to pull it out of him well he mm-hmm. did have to go to somebody because he blew it out blew out his voice mm-hmm. in this album so he had to go to some church guy i, oh, yeah. I think is the story yes <laughs> he was he, he wasn't feeling it at first and then he saw this guy who had all these gold records and he's like well maybe this guy know, knows what he's doing you know you, know, so, yeah, <laughs> you, you yeah, teach yeah. him to throw in some more yeah yeahs and yeah you know, kev yeah that's funny you bring that up and then we can we can move on um but yeah talking about uh that uh that vocal coach i remember uh i'm not sure have you guys seen the uh, some kind of monster documentary uh, mm-hmm. Alex, have you seen mm-hmm. it? Yeah, remember yeah. where he was, uh, where he, they show him doing the vocal training, and he showed like the little cassette tape that I guess he had had for like 15 years back when he was doing the Black yeah, Album. Ah, I do. Remember it's like that he's now. like, I, this is yeah. He was like, this is what I still use. This, this is still how I prep, and yeah, and it hasn't. And I thought that was interesting. He still kind of like he found something and it worked, and he kind of has held on to that. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Especially important once you start to get older. Um, yeah. yeah. Let's keep going to uh, holier than thou.
this is what I was getting at, uh, uh, just trying to imply with Enter Sandman that maybe they should have opened with this song. I'm not going to really punch too hard on a record that sold 16 million uh, U.S. copies and 30 million global or whatever. But, you know, like you can hear a little bit of, you know, and justice, like, you know, double time riffing in there. And, you know, think about the reaction had they opened with that part that Kevin played with the bass like a bass solo and how, how cool that would have been after and justice just be like the, oh yeah the bass, is, bass here. is back man like it's just <laughs> I, like I, I think this has got a little bit of opener vibe again i can't argue with it it is the 90s you do put your best foot forward you do try to sell this album on the hit you know the mega hit up front so can't argue with it but i feel like from a fan's perspective maybe holier than now as an opener would have been an interesting way to lead off then enter sam and then sad but true that is an interesting comment uh, because I think I remember from the classic albums documentary that going into the production, they thought that this was the, the strong yeah. you know, <laughs> single track, you know, before Sandman got completed. So who knows? Maybe at one time this was slotted first, you know, before things were rearranged. You know, you, you never know. That, that's, that is an interesting question, though, because. Maybe down the road in this album, I'll have some arrangement ideas as well. Who knows? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. That that part, though, that I played for the clip, that bass part, my favorite part of the song. Mm-hmm. I, the, the bass just grooves with the drums, yeah. and it is so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like the dude. bass just missing, and here we go. Do, 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 <laughs> and you're just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jason's yeah, back. Yeah, it's funny. Boy. After... after uh... Yeah, pretty much ever. Yeah, on a Metallica record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there he is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I'll have to say, I, I, yeah. when I was listening to this song, this has been my. I, I'm trying not to give anything away here, but what what a song this is, especially for more of a deep cut. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I think this song is absolutely incredible. I love the drumming so much. I love how simple it is. And and you know, it's funny. I was listening to the song on the way up. I, I came up to Madison, Wisconsin this weekend, and I was blasting this whole record on the highway. And this is the song that makes me think of my my blanket statement for the record like if you put this on you're guaranteed to be flying 80 90 miles an hour down the highway yeah. easy because it's just it's everything is just it's perfect it's locked in yeah. and it's crazy because the drums aren't going that super fast but it's something just about the groove and how oh, consistent yeah. and how forward pushing it is that it's it's so great and yeah i'm glad the bass is here and and, and i've done that I, I i like going on youtube and listening to isolated bass tracks and i've done that in the past with metallica just to really hear how great cliff was and how great jason and how great rob are and uh you know Jason being the only one playing with a pick, I mean, he's such a clean player. And, and not to take away from Cliff at all, but if you listen to some of those uh, isolated bass tracks from Cliff, and, and bear in mind, who knows how accurate they are. It could just be somebody playing it and saying it's Cliff, but he was a little more sloppy, and Jason is just so locked in and tight and perfect, and I think it really helps with this song. And right. yeah, this could this could have been a, a, an opener. If you think about it, it, it almost kind of you know bringing us back to our van halen podcast where you get something like good enough where it just kicks the door down and it's like 90 yeah. miles an hour this could have been that song and right. yeah i love this song so much i think it's perfect yeah this is definitely a uh, stocks are rising for me uh because again there's a, there, there's a lot of deep cuts on here a lot of Kevin songs. stocks on the rise 
because uh, again, you and you kind of said it perfectly, Alex. It's one of those raging like flying down the expressway. Yeah, because it's just got. It's probably that opening riff is probably the most like the kind of as far as where they came from as far as the old school Metallica. Uh, yeah. It's very in your face. It's very dense. Um, you don't really notice the pro- the glossier production as much like you do on some of the other more yeah mm-hmm. uh, the other heavier tracks on here. So I guess maybe that's kind of like okay, we're gonna keep a little bit one foot back in the old. Uh, hey. And uh, and again, and, uh, yeah, what? yeah. Go ahead. Oh, one thing. One thing I just I really like listening to, and it might be a, a nerdy thing to be listening to this, but. Just kind of listening to Lars drumming and the kick drum. It's so yeah, it's very good. simple, but it's like there's a catchiness to it where like you can hear it yeah. and you kind of focus on it. And he's doing some slight pattern changes. Right. It's not just really like a four on the floor, but he does some little things yeah. here and there to kind of switch up the tempo. But it all works like on a linear yeah. straight line down the highway yeah. kind of a thing. And I think it's great. I mean, this is a Lars... You know, I said that I thought Ant Justice was the Lars record, but he's really coming into his own where he's not just speed. He's like a master of the groove and the heavy fills and the yeah. tom beats and everything. Yeah, he's he's embracing more of a songwriting drumming uh, yeah. within a metal context uh, right. where it's still fast. But again, like you said, it grooves and you can kind of it kind of sticks with you. Yeah, where it's uh, like on Justice, you're kind of after a while, you kind of get fatigued a little bit. Sure. Um, but here it kind of. And maybe that's what they were going. Okay, we wanna, we're gonna make, we're gonna fine tune our songwriting chops here, and we're gonna write, yeah, songs versus just kind of these epic kind of, yeah, let's show off passages. Here it's just okay, we wanna, yeah, just connect, yeah, on a on a very basic level, and I think they do it very well here. Almost the same sure. way that Van Halen wanted to be taken more seriously as a songwriting group and less as a, you know, virtuoso, uh, you know, performance band. Sure. All right. Well, uh, we we have a couple different tracks here to open it up, and then we're going to move something pretty very different for the album. Uh, that would be the Unforgiven. see james here really kind of yeah kind of coming into his own as like a real like melodic singer because uh, you could see i can imagine f- yeah, this being a very difficult track to cut um for uh for somebody like him who had yeah, just done four very metal records uh that had some melody but yeah maybe uh not since fade to black uh, has he uh but there i mean back then however many uh well, what that would have been seven years earlier uh, he still had that punk kind of vibe to it, uh, even to the uh, to his more laid back singing here. It sounds like I mean it could have been any melodic solo singer of the '90s doing it here. Uh, uh, so it just shows that I guess yeah his ability to evolve into. You're complimenting yeah. him though. 
Yeah, I am complimenting him. It's just he can hang with them. Right, he can hang with yeah, yeah the uh, with the best of the era, which is hard for a guy who was very shy, very kind of yeah, not yeah, not the typical kind of normal look at me front man. But uh, to, to think that we went from whiplash to right, no, this, yeah, and maybe maybe <laughs> we'll maybe that's again. maybe that's why the the history has kind of looked very positively on this on these guys, yeah, because they really evolved probably more than a lot of their peers uh, without uh, really apologizing for it. Because um, you can hear it. I mean, it's very, there is emotion in his vocal. It's very emotive. And, uh, yeah, the guitar playing on here is very unique to it. It's almost got like a weird country folk vibe. But again, being still being Metallica. Uh, yeah, Kevin, if you could play at around 35 seconds, uh, kind of that, uh, like that last kind of clean part into the heavy part. I love that transition there. Go. yeah and then it jumps into the and that's another kind of cool moment where as far as a very and maybe it's because of the impact of the production it really kind of hits you in the chest and yeah the the impact is a little bit better it's, it's funny it seems like that was something that they were always evolving where you've got yeah the clean into the heavy where early on it was kind of like okay like on uh, fi- uh like a fight fire with fire which is very much okay well we're gonna show we can play clean and then okay then here's the heavy part but there was not it was almost like you're ch- jumping a gorge <laughs> yeah <laughs> in a way yeah yeah and uh, here yeah and now they've really kind of they've really mastered that technique uh, yeah that that whole heavy verse clean chorus that's going on in this song it is one of the the highlights and that verse, the, the, the guitar's harmonic structure in the verse, it's just massive. I, I don't know mm-hmm. what is going on there, but you can hear it kind of moving around with, with the vocals, but not exactly, but it just fills up all the space. And like Chris talked about, you get that kind of almost spaghetti Western intro yep. and, and into this massive riff. I mean, it's this combination of things that shouldn't work well, but it does. Uh, it, I think that's what just really makes the song special. Yeah, uh, this song, you know, that, um, you know, just to, uh, you know, pr- uh, explain the Bob Rock method, I don't know what went into this record, I'm sure it was something similar, but Motley Crue talked about when recording Dr. Feelgood oh. that Mix Mars would have to record his guitar parts, you know, 20 times, and, you know, Motley Crue is a band, you know, <laughs> like, they didn't do that before, you know, Shout at the Devil was just like, you know, two tracks and on, and you know with with bob rock he wanted to record 20 25 layers of guitars and put it together um you know i'm assuming they did the same thing here um considering that's what they did for dr feelgood uh, i want to back up on that solo a little bit because i think it's some of kirk's best work since ride the lightning um i've i haven't been very complimentary of kirk at times and uh, i wanted to play this because i can really feel uh what i think is the joe Citriani influence coming through in this solo back it up a little more yeah i love that oh yeah. man <laughs> and i love what the rhythm guitar do right here
And of course, we got to stop at the typical Kirk wrong note moment. Uh, there. Right. <laughs> Playing a major well, third in a minor. Okay, yeah. But uh, OK, it's, well, we'll it's take funny. It. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's very that's very much. I think the Bob Rock influence guy just sitting on Kirk because I don't think he'd really sit down and like compose like a, like, OK, I have to think about what I what am I trying to say? Yeah, 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 with this. If you've seen the uh, if you've seen the classic albums of this, this this is a great scene where Bob Rock is is razzing Kirk. He's like, "You're voted guitar player of the year last year, weren't you? So give me a guitar player of the year solo. Why, why aren't you doing it?" Yeah, it's actually quite funny if you want to go yeah. look at it. And Kirk's kind of frustrated because Bob Bob Rock wants this great solo. It's like, give give me the solo. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that that's a great point, and I, I wish I rewatched that uh, little documentary before we did this episode. But yeah, I have seen it in the past, and it's great. And yeah, I mean, there's so much to say about this song. Um, it's interesting you brought up the Bob Rock because uh, you had said in the last episode, I think, Mark, that the reason why they went with Bob was because they were so impressed with the sound of Doctor Feelgood. And yeah, exactly. I, I know, I, I know, Doctor Feelgood in the past. Like, if you look at something um, like you know smoking in the boys room which wasn't their song but you look at stuff off girls 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 it does have sort of that western vibe and here's a question i'm going to ask kevin here because (laughs) a little off topic but we uh last time we hung out we were talking about bon jovi right and we were talking about how bon jovi sort of had that hair metal metal vibe but also with that sort of cowboy southern draw persona with them and you thought well bon jovi they're the ones that kind of did it in a way that was tasteful and that worked and you hear it here. And, and I went back and I looked at something off of my, uh, Dr. Field, but something like a, uh, what, what was that song? Was it she go or slice of your pie where it had sort of like a, like a Western kind of intro yeah, to it. Yeah, and I wonder if, and I wonder if that might've been an inspiration here, but I, I really think that, um, this is kind of James's bread and butter when he starts getting almost, you know, he gets vocal and there's a song on load that I really like a lot where he does it as well, where he almost has this Southern kind of bluesy vocal style. And I think it's fantastic because I mean, this is kind of like the first time you hear that he really ever did anything like that. And I think it works really well. I mean, I really do love James as a singer, especially as a guitar player, but he's got a great voice, I think. And this is a fantastic song. Uh, I love listening to it. And, and I love this unforgiven series. As you guys know, there's what three or four parts of the unforgiven that come later on in the career. And I will say, I don't know if this is my favorite unforgiven though. I think I might be, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on it in, in, in a couple episodes or, <laughs> yeah. or so, but this, I don't know if this is my favorite Unforgiven, believe it or not, but yeah, super <laughs> fun, right. super fun. And, and, and I do love Kirk solo a lot. I love where he starts incorporating his blues influences on a metal song. And I think it works great. Well, that's uh, a promise of more to come in the future, which is always fun. Uh, let's go here to wherever I may roam.
man. Yeah, Kevin, I'm glad that was pretty much, I was hoping you were going to play that part because that kind of sums up my whole. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this has got to be, I mean, as far as pop rocks hit songs is concerned, probably one of the most unique that, that's ever been recorded. There's even for Metallica, there's never been anything quite like it. I mean, that beginning, very exotic sounding, again, great flow from the clean into the heavy. And James's the vocal delivery in each verse is just, yeah, uh, and the row. I mean, you can feel like all that. I mean, it's yeah, just the maybe again, that's the Bob Rock production, but you can just feel the vocals probably more than any other point in this. Not, not, not that there are a lot of strong James kind of punch to the gut moments, but I, that's probably one of my favorites. Um, I, uh, uh, yeah, again, yeah, there's yeah, not much to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how else to. Uh, sure, yeah. no, no. I think that 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 that's good. Um, I yeah, I agree. I mean, this has always been one of my favorite songs on the album. I mean, if you think if you look back at what was track five on Justice, that would have been Shortest Straw, and I, I think Metallica has a habit of having a really strong song in either the five or six spot. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I I almost consider this. This might be kind of a weird thing, but it's like almost like that middle of the album super strong song kind of like a harvester of sorrow maybe that was sort of what they were thinking on this one to put a really strong uh that's much a radio hit but like a really strong song right in the middle there uh i love that opening sitar that he, i think that's what that is sitar whatever that kind of sample is that that guitar is i always thought was really cool and yeah this was this was always my you know flying on the highway song this and holier and then now were always those ones that did it for me and and honestly i think what it really is and i was thinking about this when you played this sample that you could really hear jason's bass on this song and it, it's honestly it's just like a low yeah. kind of driving e bass bass right. string that's going and and I think that's the whole reason why I like ACDC so much is because the bass is so simple. It's kind of just like a driving root note when the guitars are doing other stuff. And that's what gives it this driving forward beat. And I was thinking to myself during that clip, what if this song was on Justice and there was no bass? Would it have that same effect? I think the production is fantastic on the song. It's the combination of the driving bass that you can finally hear. And I really think... Bob locked in Lars's drum sound on this record, especially with that kick drum. It's just got this punch. And I don't know if it's the compression or what, Kevin, you'd be able to better speak on that. But this was always a super strong song for me, and I, I think it's fantastic. It's great. Punt, yeah, punch for punch. I take this over Enter Sandman um, mm. in terms of just attitude, vibe, and Lars brings so much to this song in such subtle ways. Some of those double mm-hmm. bass fills that are that are it's it's not crazy. It's got so it's just dripping with attitude. This song is not only my third coolest Metallica moment, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, but it's also for this record the Mark's walking down the driveway moment. Sure, um, I want people <laughs> to see me listening to this song. It's that cool. Let me just sample a few of Lars's uh, just amazing fills toward the end of the song here. Okay, so that drum fill right there. Here's where I'm going to start bringing in a little bit of influence. It may or may not, I may be totally off base with this. Only Lars can answer the question. But I feel... I know what that is like. Yeah, oh, yeah? I mean, yeah, you know what's coming? Because I feel like Lars might have been listening to a little bit of Mr. Scott from uh, this song here.
those drum fills past the beat. Um, I yeah. love it. You know, Scott yeah. Rockenfield just did such a great job on Queensryche's Empire just a year prior. Um, and, you know, at, at, at this point, you know, I, I don't know, I would compare hand on heart to wherever, my, wherever <laughs> I may roam in any other way. Um, but, you know, like that's the first time I had heard a record uh, and Scott's fills on that uh, record were just, you know, so cool in that they just didn't end on, on, on the one. Like he just kept it going. And Lars mm-hmm. does that a ton on this song. And it's really cool to uh, to hear in the context of a well-produced Metallica album. Yeah, and real what? quick, I'll just chime in. I was just going to say, it's just crazy how much, how simple drumming, pulling back and just doing the simple drumming really makes a metal song drive like that. And that's kind of where that ACDC camp comes from. But sorry, sorry to jump in here, but I just thought of that, how simple his drumming is, but how much it works. It's almost like the less is better. Sometimes mm-hmm. that is the case. <laughs> um, yeah. Looking at you, progressive metal bands. Um, but <laughs> but the, the, the thing that's most like inspiring or, or what gets me about this song is kind of the flow of mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I, 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 we've talked about it in previous albums, but it really shows how much they've mastered it here. Mm-hmm. Is that you get that intro, and, and my favorite part is where you get the main riff, but the drums are doing half the speed. And then you're thinking, oh, is this kind of kind of be an, another sad but true like chugging kind of song? And you're like, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, is this going to be an all slow album? And then it picks up, and that's the the coolest thing. You're like, yes, it's this really mean. It picks up. It just gets better. Mm-hmm. It just gets better on top of that. And the way the verses kind of merge with the choruses and right. back and forth, it's a, that's my favorite part of this. Yeah. It's a, but somehow it's so accessible, like you said, Chris. It just right. it, like it just sits there, and you're like, oh yeah, you know, that's great. Right. You know, it's funny. There was one point I wanted to make that I almost forgot about. Um, this is actually the second song about uh, the road that Metallica has tackled. Uh, Metal the other Militia. one. Well, that's it. Well, a little bit. No, I'm, I was thinking Motor Breath, actually, as far as being uh, oh. being a road a road band. And I know you. I think you and your brother were kind of like uh, as far as. And I kind of compare when you compare this to Motorbreath, it's almost kind of like, okay, back then you were kind of like dating the road. You were kind of fooling around with it. There's almost a very adolescent kind of, yeah, yeah, like uh, like you're in high school kind of. But here it's like, okay, now we're men and we're married to the road. We have we've developed this long. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you just listened. uh, Yeah. And the road becomes my bride. Mm -hmm. I have stripped of all but pride. So in her, I do confide and she keeps me satisfied. I mean, that's again, that speaks of experience. Where you have a motor breath, it's kind of like motor breath. It's how I live my life. I won't take it any other way. Yeah, it's got this kind of like yeah. It's got this very. It's got this very kind of like almost like 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 a bratty kind of again like a like a child a kind of yeah, yeah exactly. Which so uh, so I that was funny. I'm listening to this. I'm like yeah, okay, I can see there. That's this is like the natural kind of evolution of that earlier idea, mm-hmm. where now it's here. Yeah, they're they've grown. They've they've grown up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they can kind of maybe look at it a little bit more philosophically as far as what it means to be the type of band that they are. Sure. All right. Well, some good discussion there. Let's go on to Don't Tread on Me.
say this about, you know, when I was listening to this album in prep for this show. I got to this song. I'm like, hmm. Because it's got that major swingy feel. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing it's very different than the rest of the album. And it, it, this is, it, it, I'll tell you what ruined the major swingy feel is that kind of like C and D list hair metal bands in the late 80s and early 90s are trying to do that Van Halen thing, but they couldn't. There's always the, oh, let's record that swingy song. And there, it was always bad, and I'd always skip it. And so I got here, and I'm like reminded of that. It's like a bad aftertaste. And then I listened to it. I'm like, okay. And then somehow later in the day, it, it totally got stuck in my head, and it wouldn't get out for the rest of the week. And I'd just be like going around the house doing things, and I'm like, don't you on me. <laughs> I don't know why, but somehow this was the earworm of the album yeah. when I was all sudden done. You know, it's, it's funny that you, I was waiting for you to do it, to say the title, because that was the first thing that popped into my head. So it's going back to Kevin's vocal goofing. Oh, don't try, don't try that, man. Yeah, like, that's all I, I don't know. That's the first thing that popped in. Oh, yeah, yeah I can see that. I can yeah, it's like, I, can't, I, I was waiting, like, I'm, I'm just waiting for Kevin just to chime in with his, yeah, just his karaoke of the, of the chorus. But yeah, Kevin, yeah, you're kind of right. Yeah, it does, especially the chorus really kind of, or the, or the, or the pre-chorus, I guess, really kind of gets stuck in your head. Um, yeah, not that I remember, just the melodic flow of it is very unique. Uh, that's the one thing at this point, it's like, man, I should hate this. But again, there's enough here where it's kind of back in. Because mm-hmm. yeah, again, it was funny, you were saying you were humming that around your house yesterday. Yeah, before I went to bed last night, I was brushing my teeth. And I was singing, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was, I was, I was just humming the like the main, uh, the pre-chorus and the uh, melody because I'm like, it's, yeah. Like, yeah, it's so goddamn catchy. Like, I, like, what, like, what's wrong with me? I, I'm just imagining all these people in suburban houses, you know, doing these things. Yeah. And that was, and again, that was after a couple of listens too, because again, like the first time, like all I could hear is just you singing the, like, this is stupid. This is this is gonna, I'm gonna kill this song in the. Yeah, and the love it or flesh it, but then it's like after I listen, I'm like, ah, all right, I guess I'm not going to be too violent on it. There's, yeah, again, these are songs with with sections where it's like, okay, you got the goofiness, you've got the more melodic, uh, kind of interesting parts, and again, fortunately, the song has that. Um, uh, it was funny, I was reading up. I guess this song was Headfield's kind of reaction to the, because I guess a lot of people consider it injustice and more of an anti-American, as far as or, or being critical of America, I guess. Where this song more focuses more on, I guess, kind of supporting yeah, as far as yeah, dying for your one's country, like that kind of mm-hmm. uh, with in this particular case, America. But it was weird. I in the in this interview that I read, it was this I think was from 1991, where he had a very almost kind of like punk kind of response to it. It's like, yeah, I don't know why I did. I wasn't I wasn't trying to su- say that I was anti or pro America or whatever. It just it was just kind of like a nephew, like Metallica does what it wants. Uh, yeah. so I don't know. <laughs> you know, Again, when you talked yeah, about yeah. Metal Militia last a song, yeah. I wrote that this uh, this down for this song because they kind of had that that F you, we do, do what we want type vibe to it. And mm-hmm. this song, like, you know, Kevin hit on the groove, you know, that's the Hatfield vocal range that I don't like at all. Um, and I here's what I have to say about this song is that I don't think it would have worked in any other spot on this album. 
Then this one. Then this one right here, yes. following up wherever I may roam. Just that the way that that's just kind of that pounding enter Sandman, double timing it, and then you've got a like a major groove, and you're like, you know what? All right, like if it were just more of wherever my roam and enter Sandman and just churning metal or sad but true, like you know, I'm gonna get sick of that at some point on this record. But uh, this at least helps bridge the gap between this and uh, you know what's coming uh, to follow. sure sure yeah and and we're getting into the territory of the record where i was maybe least experienced um just because kind of like you said in the opening statement that it was a very top heavy record we're starting to move um maybe in this and then in the song that follows where you know it's not a it's not a big single so it's not one that you would normally go to right off the bat and and it's so top heavy where you get to that song and and like uh Chris kind of touched on the thematic elements of the song, but what it's sort of a, a song owing to the American Revolution and doing some reading. It, it sort of borrows uh, the opening phrase from right, yeah, I saw that. Fr- from that song. And honestly, when I when the song always came on after wherever I may roam, that opening sort of kind of poppy kind of line always sort of annoyed me in a way it turned me off a little bit but then you listen to it and it really doesn't last that long and then it kind of sucks you back into a song that you kind of like uh, and and i really do like the verse lines for the song it's got a great groove to it and uh chris i don't know if this is going to be a uh, trivia question so stop me if it is but will you be touching on the cougar incident at all regarding uh, no. this song okay no well, i, not, I yeah. know yeah. you guys know about this so yeah. so for for any maybe unexperienced listeners and i actually just came across this as well it's kind of a funny story but reading about it apparently uh in 2019 so just a year ago uh there was somebody walking uh her dog in british columbia and she tried screaming to get the cougar to wa- to run away, and that didn't work. So what she did is she pulled up this song on her phone and played it out loud, and that's what got the cougar to run away. So this is a life-saving song right here. Even though James has said he, I think James has said that he doesn't care for the song too much, at least regarding this album. This might be one of his least favorite. Uh, a life-saving song. So yeah, did they? Play How this? are we gonna top that? Yeah, it's just. Just adds to the I, 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 adds just, to the mythology of the I'm band, gonna, yeah. I'm just gonna say yeah. this now, guys. Can this song be removed from the album if it saves somebody's life? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so think about yeah. think about that during the Love It or Flush It. Did they play this in Moscow? No. So I, I just read here this song hasn't been wasn't played until 2012. Okay. Really? You know what? That's funny. You mentioned that part, man. So when he says, I think he says, "So be it." That part, yeah, it sounds like Soviet. I, it sounds like Soviet, yeah. and that's what I thought of. I thought I'm like, did they play this at that Moscow? Because yeah, I never thought of that. It worked. It worked. But I thought about that too, Mark. <laughs> All right, um, uh, let's continue. Miss We're going lyrics. Th- <laughs> <laughs> We're going through the never.
gonna say it i'm not sure how much of that riff i can take that'd be hard on the wrist and then i was listening i'm like okay and then and then and then it got to that cool like post solo part i'm like oh yeah this is cool it'd be great if you know they kind of ended the song and then i'm like oh man i i i don't know it just it had an expiration date and by the end of the song is way past that Sour so milk riffs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it was cool when it opened, and then it got old by like second 30. I, I'm, I'm really so. feeling the uh, Pantera here, and I don't know if it's Pantera copy Metallica or Metallica, you know, watching their back with Pantera, but uh, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely feeling that, uh, you know, at, you know, at this or at this point through the never, um, I wanted to pick out, uh, um, you know, uh, 319 in the track here. It's really, um, to me, a creeping death moment that they tried to pull off, but it didn't quite pan out. I mean, sure. it's it's kind of there. <laughs> like, what was the what was the what was the timestamp on that part? Three nineteen. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, maybe. Uh, okay. No, that wasn't the part I was. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it kind of works, but it kind of felt like like, hey guys, so we did that in Creeping Death. That's a fan favorite live. Let's do that again. And they try to hear it. It just is kind of like, eh. no, it felt. Yeah, it's not it. I, yeah. I, I hear I hear that, Mark. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I didn't think about that on an initial listen, but maybe if they would have dragged it out a little more and maybe spaced it out and slowed it down to drumming, it could have worked a little more. That's a good point. But yeah, Kev, that's so funny that you mentioned that. So this was the song I was listening to on the ride up, uh, like I said, to Madison. And, and this is sort of the section of the record where I don't, uh, you know, on first listen, I didn't pay much attention to. So it's like, okay, I, I'm kind of brushing up here and refreshing my memory. And that riff was going for a long time, but then it got into that <laughs> part where it was like, I kind of liked where it switched, over nice, to the, it, it switched over to the A there. And it's funny, you know, f- you know, fast forwarding to uh, hardwired to self-destruct. I almost kind of hear some similarities there where they start moving in a little bit more of that A range. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they were trying to explore that, but but yeah, I remember I was driving up here and I'm listening and I'm rocking out to this song and then that riff's still going and I'm thinking to myself, okay, this, this, song's, still, this song's still going. It's still going. The board yet. It, it's still go- the song, this song's still going. Is it almost over? And, and that, that might be a bad sign where I start looking at the clock and it's, and, and it's funny because right when I was like, all right, this song needs to end, it ended. So it like just crossed the it like just for, for you, it, it just passed the boundaries. Like it was about to be like, all right, I got to skip the song and it ended. So I, I don't, I don't hate this song, but I totally agree where it, it gets a little long winded with that riff. Yep. It was kind of funny, yeah, just list, uh, doing the preparation, because, uh, yeah, I came to the song, and I'm like, I'm going to see if I, because I used to be able to play it pretty well, but it, it's funny, after I hadn't mean, listened to the record in a long time, it, yeah, trying to play that riff for as long as it goes, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it burns up the muscles, and the, because, <laughs> again, oh, yeah. that's, 
It's it's one of those ultimate kind of down picking. Again, it's not a it's not a very technical rip, but it's just because of how long it goes. Because you're just again, it's just like that, 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 then you're just kind of it's almost say like lifting weights. Okay, you're at like the all right, or you're or doing or, do, or doing push ups. Like okay, you're at fifty or whatever. You're like all right. And then you start to fall <laughs> off the rhythm, and you're kind of like, uh, "How do I get back on the wagon?" Right, right, yeah. Where you're, yeah, yeah where you're, yeah, where you're starting to, yeah, yeah, starting to, yeah, burn yourself out. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I still love that riff, but I can, uh, I never, yeah, I guess until Kevin kind of thought about that point, <laughs> oh yeah, my God. where it's like, yeah, it does kind of overstay its welcome a little bit. Um, not a very sophisticated song. This is one of the few, as far as my notes, yeah, where I didn't really have that much written for it um it's it's funny as far as the chorus i don't i know that part that you played mark i can't remember if that continues into the last 30 seconds but i felt like that last 30 40 where i think where he's repeating yeah the chorus where it just after a while it just it had a very hokey kind of feel to it uh hold down a, a little bit <laughs> it's funny again i because i love the riff i mean for again for probably the first 20 seconds ago it's a very strong riff it's a very unique kind of really kind of razor sharp uh yeah almost uh kind of like that injustice kind of sharpness to it but uh, now, now you've got that image in my head that did 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 yeah i know i think everybody grab your partners again i i do i do love james's uh yeah kind of verses this is probably the most as far as when people kind of goof on james as far as the james singing style uh i think like that opening like verse they're like oh my uh, yeah i mean it's it's that kind of really uh, i guess if you want to say it, it's a james ism yeah. <laughs> at this point it's developing his own yeah his own sure. kind of you got like eddie vetter has his kind of style and then you got james has his like uh, kind of mm-hmm. yeah yeah from the gut vocal or whatever you want to call it yeah. uh but uh, yeah, I still kind of like it. Still has kind of a special place. But we'll get to that later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. I, no, I hear a keep... rubber glove being stretched out. Yeah, maybe a little oh, bit. We yeah. don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we gotta find the um, box. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing else matters. Is next. worth waiting six minutes to get to the good part <laughs> like, there's a lot in this song but you know the, the courtesy yeah, I mean, of skipping to that part there i mean it, it's super cool and it's not really my opinion but i think for some people this song title well represents where they are at this exact point in their discography nothing else matters except what we think <laughs> yeah uh, there's a lot of good stuff in here james really comes into his own um you know that whole trust i seek part is so clean and clear um i don't know you know it, it's, i don't know it's, 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 it's i, th- I think that's 
I think that's one of the coolest moments of rock actually i know yeah. james gets a lot of flack for his yaz but that is one of the coolest yaz followed by a kick down the door oh yeah where he kind of climbs <laughs> and yeah. it's just like boom there it is and i think it works because it it's taken so long to get there in a, yeah, in a you way sit through a lot of non-metallica bits to get to a really cool metallica bit yeah, but you just had. Yeah, it is a little bit of a switch. Yeah, we're probably the most extreme switch. I okay, I know, but I just I like this song. I think that part is just so cool, and the other depth to it, those harmonic guitars that you heard in the fade out that are going there, the strings. I I think I think there's a level that solo is up there. I mean, maybe. Some, some people might argue the uh yeah kind of like a comfortably numb solo it's something you remember it's like the part you wait for and then that's like in the arena that's the part where everything kind of the lights kind of change into a very unique way and it just kind of yeah it's like one of the ultimate warm but i guess you could say there's a warm blanket moment for you right there yeah no sure. you guys hit it this has got to be maybe my favorite metallica solo and it maybe it's the least traditional if you're thinking you know prior records where it's a little bit more shreddy and less bluesy and pentatonic yeah. when you're talking about kirk but if i'm if my memory serves me correct this is james playing this solo and yeah I, to this day i mean 2020 this is what 1991 this record came out is that right mm-hmm. yep I, it's still just as tasteful as ever it is not too many notes I love the blues pentatonic on this song, and and if we're talking about more of this ballady song, uh, I, I would often compare this to un, to, uh, to the Unforgiven, and I've always appreciated the song a little bit more, uh, mainly because of that solo. I, I think it's it's fantastic. It's always a fun one to play if you could get it correctly. Uh, probably one that many uh, guitar players try to play at the first because it's pretty much just open strings at the beginning until it starts moving a little bit, but. Yeah, great yeah. vocal vocal performance. Well, as here well. When you're you're mentioning comparisons. There, here's one: Do you take Metallica's "Nothing Else Matters" or do you take Queensrÿche's "Anybody Listening"? Oh, anybody listening, ten out of ten. <laughs> okay, strong opinion there. I, I do too. Um, not just because that, I haven't that, heard this song ten million times. It just it's just kind of the same. I gotta feel. listen back to that. Yeah, anybody listening is is just. Uh, it's a very dynamic song. I don't know, but that's what Queens, Queensryche did. That was their thing. Right. That, that's uh, it, me, though. Yeah, I wanted to pick out a um, another part of, not a part of the main solo, but more of one of the clean solos on here at uh, around 338. Uh, I love the kind of the jazzy, very Fender-ish kind of solo. Yeah, that. Yeah, it was just that part, but I just love that kind of, uh, yeah, this, that one little part is very unique. Again, this is, I can imagine this was, uh, Kirk being pushed to his kind of, like, I need you to sit and I need you to, it's like writing a paper, like in college or whatever. Okay. And it's like, oh, I'm a good writer. And then it's like, well, then you have somebody who's been doing it for years. Like, no, like, no, keep doing it. Keep <laughs> whittling. Yeah. Keep, like, okay, I want you, I want you to tell me something. I don't just want you just to read me the textbook. I've, I've always kind of no. used that. Uh, kind of that description as far as like, okay, do you want me to read you what's on the page or do you want to take what's on the page and apply it? Yeah, and I think that's that's a perfect example. I mean, that main guitar solo on there, uh, whether it's the clean parts or the main heavy solo, yeah, it's 
yeah learning your it's learning the okay i've got the tools and now okay now how do i use them in context and Kirk, yeah. a little a little less weedle weedle Unfortunately, yeah, I'm, I'm, the the wah becomes a little yeah. heavy on this. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's got to compensate somewhere, I guess. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's nothing else matters. We're gonna go to of wolf and man. I'm actually really glad that you played that bit because <laughs> even though it's not the uh, maybe the most signature part of the song, uh, one thing I kind of noticed, and this was recent on my most recent listen the other day, is if you listen to that breakdown part and you move a few years down the road into the load and reload era, that's kind of the first part of where I heard that sort of bleeding through. And there's some there's some parts. What I'm saying is there's some parts on load and reload where that sort of breakdown kind of talky vocal comes in, and this is kind of where I first notice it. Um, and that's that could be very well the Bob Rock influence there. But uh, this song, this was the first like deep cut Metallica song I ever came across. I don't know if it was one of my cousins or an old guitar teacher that put me onto this song, but. When I was a younger kid, uh, obviously I knew the hits, and then somebody told me about this song, and it's like, okay, this is not one that I hear on the radio. This is sort of like a deep cut here, and it's always been one of my favorite songs. I I think it's a great sleeper track, one of their strongest uh, deep cuts. And and I think I mentioned earlier, maybe I alluded to it, when we were talking about the thing that should not be uh, on Master of Puppets, I don't know if there's some similarities here with sort of the... uh, Maybe the guitar pans or whatever, but I, I kind of hear some some similarities with this song to that. Uh, maybe I'm crazy for saying that, but that's just kind of what pops into my mind. And yeah, I, I think it's a fantastic song and one that would be really cool to see live for uh, for my nostalgia purposes. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's funny. This is a song that kind of grew on me after multiple listens because again, it was like one ah. of those. Yeah, one of those. No, again, I, I ultimately really. Uh, Again, this is a, a really awesome song, but a funny initially it was kind of like a great a Wolfman song on my pop rock record. <laughs> I never sung about that <laughs> like well, what's what's going on here. Um, and even researching because again, is it just a generic kind of or just like okay, we need like the fantastical or fantasy metal song on a metal metal record? I think even what I was reading up on, I think even Bob Rock was kind of nervous about it too. Like okay, like a Wolfman. I can't remember the exact I'm paraphrasing, but he was like, "Oh great, Wolfman! Are we going to have song songs about pyramids now?" I think that's that was the. Uh, but then, um, I, and I think a lot of people have also kind of argued that 
that it was James talking about as far as people embracing both the wild and the human side of each other uh, with the regardless or of the consequences. But uh, again, that's still up for debate. Uh, but again, yeah, this is another song. I like the vocal deliveries, even on the more kind of quirky parts, like the like in the first verse, you've got the uh, off through the new days mist I run. Yeah, just the way he delivers that. I don't know. Just again, it's got like almost a percussive feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've always really liked that. And uh, even the shape shifting again, the way again, this is another paying attention to James and how he delivers a lyric. And I love that, too. Uh, and it was funny. Alex, I know you said as far as that riffing part that Kevin played again, that uh, that's I was hoping he was going to go there because, again, that's a great kind of mm-hmm. uh, kind of classic kind of era Metallica riff there that kind of I think, again, kind of keeps the song from totally collapsing on itself. Um. But uh, yeah, again, that this is yeah, uh, yeah, I guess a song that you can really kind of debate on. Like, okay, is it just a normal? Is there a deeper meaning? Um, some people seem to be kind of split on that. Uh, I like to think there's a deeper because James at this point was, was kind of fine tuning his his uh, his songwriting or lyric chops and kind of going more for an introspective or more human type song versus kind of the typical metal, uh, yeah, kind of metal metal uh, topical choices. <laughs> Sure. If, if this were another band, there's no doubt that'd be like, oh yeah, it's just a wolf song. song right? yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, your 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 castles and your dragon songs. And here's right. the wolf song. Yeah, we're not Dio here. It's like we don't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there are guys that can do it and guys that can. <laughs> yeah, he he loved that stuff. Yeah. But um, it's, well, it's, it's funny too when you look at sort of what uh, what the guys looked like around this era with the. Uh, with James sort of with the sh- the save the shaved side side of the head with the long hair and the chops and the uh, <laughs> sort of the handlebar mustache, it's like yeah, I could kind of I could kind of see where the wolf persona kind of comes in. It's like for some reason you look at him and then you think of this song and it's like for some weird reason it kind of makes sense. So <laughs> in a weird way, sure. Um, yeah, I w- I wasn't sure. Like you know, I, I know Chris talked about the James's vocal delivery. And he sells it so well. And on the first couple of lessons, I'm like, ah, I don't know. I like how am I feeling about this? But like, um, don't tread on me. This is one later that it's like I'm doing stuff around the house and I like it's got in my head somehow. Shape so, shit. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why. But it's um, somehow of wolf and man is is an earworm. Okay, so of wolf and man. Um, you know what I have to say about this song is that I might have to come up with a new category of um, maybe a milestone for our discography discussion. And I'm going to call it the ultimate fan track, or maybe I'll call it the discography deep track. Mm -hmm. I think that it's the kind of thing that if I hear you listening to this song, I know that you are a fan of the band. You are a Scotsman, true Scotsman, true fan you know, and this type of song, it cannot be a hit. It can't be a fan favorite. It can't be a live staple. It can't be like, you know, the hipster, uh, you know, version or the super pop version or it, like it's got to be that song that if if I hear you listening to Of Wolf and Man in your car, like, yeah, <laughs> you, know, like, that, yeah, that like you are in a Metallica and like I could probably have a Metallica discussion with you. Um, I think for like Van Halen, it might be like um like girl gone bad would be mine yeah. you know yes. i think like if, 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 oh, if you're nice. listening to girl gone bad i know you're into your van halen it's your deep cut across the discography 
I just think that uh, I don't know. There's, there's, there's. Uh, I know this is a deep song. I don't know what you guys said about it because I was off. Uh, ironically, I suppose uh, you know, taking <laughs> the dogs out for a pee break. Uh, <laughs> but that shape shift, shift. Yeah, <laughs> super cool. Like I love it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you guys didn't. Uh, maybe I'm just walking into a hole here, uh, <laughs> just the, uh, setting up a double blast shotgun yeah. to my face of criticism. But uh, I think <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, we we got a couple tracks left, and we're going to move on to The God That Failed. in my hand a little bit here uh with with this uh, critique but um this song does not need to be on the album uh and uh, you know why because this is just a like a b version of sad but true i mean maybe you guys can uh, yeah. convince me otherwise but no i, like, I, I, I agree. just hear i hear too much sad by true and sad by true already hits all the right buttons it does it so well like why is it again like is is this just 90s filler for the cd like i, I don't this get is, it yeah this is weird because i kind of agree even the music itself is a little like where it's not really yeah where it's kind of there just to move the the story along where the it's not really like with a lot of other metallica songs where you remember the riff um i do will say as simple as that verse riff is it is pretty kind of yeah it is kind of impactful where it's got duh, 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 yeah just kind of maybe that's because of the more mid-rangey guitar there uh but uh it's funny after kind of digging into this because again this is a, again james talking about his family life and this is almost like the kind of the conclusion of like dyer's eve where he lived okay, he grew up like in that. a yeah he grew up in that again with dyer's eve growing as far as talking about what, what it was like growing up in that type of very strict environment and the like god that failed was kind of, household or something right and the god that failed was like the natural conclusion of what actually happened like okay his mom died because of her yeah her fundamentalist beliefs of not seeking treatment and then his dad left and all this other and then he's just left kind of like in the kind of the aftermath of the ruins uh and kind of trying to navigate that and that i kind of made me that made me appreciate the song a little bit more but yeah mark i do kind of agree as far as the music is a little um maybe if it would I, I wish the music was a little better uh a little bit more kind of interesting because there's a lot of great lyrical topic here uh, um uh yeah because again this is a very yeah i could probably have another very difficult subject yeah again here's uh, i know i had this marked as far as a kind of a passage i see faith in your eyes never you hear the discouraging lies i hear faith in your cries broken is the promise betrayal yeah and that's kind of like looking like yeah, like you, you were, you thought that you were promised this. I don't know. Yeah, you know, whether it was, yeah, perfect life by following certain 
a certain path, but ultimately it it served you no good. And ultimately, uh, you yeah, the end was much more painful <laughs> for you, uh, for you and your family. Yeah. So and that, that's the thing that kind of disappointed me a little bit with the music part of it. Like, man, I wish. Yeah, uh, I just wish it was a little less because, again, it, it kind of plods a little bit. Uh, yeah, it does have its grooves, uh, even kind of that 90s production, too, that you'd see later on Load and Reload, um, especially in the beginning there, yeah, where it's very kind of uh, like that wall of sound. Uh, but again, as far as just from a lyrical perspective and kind of being a lyricist myself in certain areas, yeah, I kind of appreciated James again, kind of again, kind of tackling another part of his life journey. So, yeah, there's my uh, there's my two cents. <laughs> yeah, I know that that's interesting. And it's kind of funny how we're all sort of on the same page with this song. Um, like I was kind of mentioning with uh, Don't Tread in Me and Through the Never, that sort of started to enter a territory where I wasn't super familiar just because, like you said, the record is so top heavy and there's so many hits on this record where we got into this song and this is one that I didn't remember how it went prior to a few days ago when I listened to it. And I didn't put the sad, but true comparison together, but now that you mention it, I totally hear it. And yeah, I mean, I appreciate the opening bass groove just for, you know, sort of justice for Jason, um, no pun intended, (laughs) but it's nice to hear that. And some of those leady lines are kind of cool, but yeah, there wasn't too much there for me to be honest i don't know maybe kevin you have uh any other thoughts you know i I, i'm gonna just say that i like the song and i think i'm just throwing this out there it may suffer from its position on the album i could see that yeah yeah because it, it it comes after kind of this this deep cut that you know we all spoke favorably about and it's still got two songs left to go on the album and it's just oh, kind of a, yeah it's kind of in a whatever spot on the album right so yeah i wish yeah yeah, i just wish the music was more impactful like on dire's eve i mean you can really hear the even as thrashy as that is i mean it really gets the point across with that particular arc of james's life story we're here just to kind of like all right like you kind of inject it with a little bit more i mean come on i mean you're james hetfield yeah the riff guy his band failed him yeah. <laughs> what can we say? I, I, like I said, I do like that verse riff, though, as simple as it is. I don't know if it just kind of it just got that wah kind of feeling. But yeah, the rest of it, it's like the music is just there to assist in moving the song along, but not necessarily the focal point. Hmm. Well, we shall see what happens later on. Um, we're going to go to my friend, Mr.
song is almost like if you merged Orion and the Unforgiven together. Hmm. Like I'm almost half expecting it to kick in with the chorus of the Unforgiven. Like if they just did like a redux of it at the end. But there's so much, you know. I felt Orion there. You couldn't say um, anything from uh, you know and Justice because it's so bass heavy. But it really feels like a you know like a, a Metallica instrumental. And I know I've flushed everyone so far. Um, so we'll see where I go with this one, but, uh, really an interesting point in their time when, you know, I, I don't think they ever, did they ever do any instrumentals after this, aside from the, the most recent records? It's like, it's a good Was question. there any on Death Magnetic? There might've been, I don't remember. There, yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. So, you know, this might've been their last yeah. gasp of it. I know this is not an instrumental, but it, like, it definitely has the feeling of, you know, where they were before with that kind of, you know, and again, the penultimate song, that's where they stuffed it, um, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the last yeah. three records. So, yeah, no, Mark, that's a really interesting point that you bring that up. Um, you know, especially it's starting off with the bass. This is sort of kind of in that later instrumental part, because I think what to live is to die was the second to last song. And that was an instrumental as well. But yeah, I've always actually really liked this song. Um, I, I really liked learning this one on bass. I feel like when I kind of, I'm not naturally a bass player, that's not my first instrument, but I, I, I sort of picked it up over, you know, throughout the years. And I feel like back in the day, this was one of the first songs I ever tried learning how to play. And I really like the guitar part kind of kicking in because I think it's like an A chord, but there's some dissonance going on where I think maybe one guitar is playing a different chord than what the A chord is. So there's this weird sort of harmony kind of eerie vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like you say, coming out of the what is it coming out of the God that failed? I think they sort of step it back up a little bit here with this yeah. song and i've always i mean this is one of those deep cuts that uh yeah i i enjoy listening to and you know listening to it the other day as a refresher after maybe many years off this record it still kind of reminded me how much i enjoyed it so a good later half al- uh album track in my opinion right. yeah this is interesting but i have to admit though that, i mean this is the part of the album again where it almost where i really have to listen to these last three tracks really to internalize them because again even on my way home today i had the, the these were the three songs I think I listened to like twice on my way. Like, uh, just because I don't know, maybe that's again going back to the top heavy critique. Yeah, the, it seems like at this point they kind of ran out of the hooks. Maybe they were maybe they were just focusing so much on hooks, and when they went back to like the more darker stuff that they were known for, it's almost like they kind of lost a little bit of that. And again, and it's, t- it's unfortunate because the yeah the themes in these songs are very strong, uh, but it's almost like the impact is kind of lost. Uh, and uh, this this is kind of, <laughs> of interesting. This and again, this is before Tool. Uh, but that middle section Kevin played kind of reminded me of that, where it kind of slows down and it goes again into this weird instrumental kind of interlude. Yeah, uh, very interesting. Sounds... You got you got you got you got like the swell. You got, yeah, you've got you've got these weird volume swells and uh, and also right at the end uh, of that clip that you played, uh, I got massive Queen vibes. I don't know if you got that with. I don't know if it was like a Mellotron oh, sure. or a. That, or a that, that solo sound yeah whatever that is Almost, yeah i'm like yeah. and i was trying to find a, a good example and i know there's a couple of queen songs but uh yeah so uh, a song that kind of gets lost in the mix yeah there were some interesting moments uh there uh where you could see i mean they're pulling their influences uh but i hate to admit it i mean these again this is and i feel bad because i mean this is kind of like jason's time to shine with his bass and but they're the songs people don't really talk about when they talk about this 
this yeah it's funny these last three songs are a perfect example like when you go into writing hooky it's yeah we're like we're in some songs hit and some songs don't yeah where you've got mm-hmm. you you don't necessarily know why it's like there's it's, it's a strong song lyrically but it's just i just can't i can't internalize the whole thing i can't sit back and, like hum it or sing it or and it's just very strange and it, it kind of shows yeah this is like that point where with metallic or it's almost like a transitional point of you know of kind of those ideas of yeah accessibility versus kind of kind of retaining some of the older sensibilities that they had you know and, i don't know if they yeah. ever played this song live but i feel like this song is the ultimate beer run you know I, i'm gonna say this of this song very quickly feels a little clunky to me feels a little bit too long all right moving on yeah thank you <laughs> there we go short and sweet that's all he's got <laughs> what a review all right we're, 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 we're gonna uh close out the album with the struggle with it I start listening to that song and I hear those military snare drums and I'm just I get that vibes of what was that song with that uh, uh, um, uh, oh, oh Fred Evans <laughs> oh, no. and I just think oh corn no. here it comes here comes the corn <laughs> and then uh, it kind of got this cool twin guitar thing and it's like oh that's nice it's a little bit of blackened and and then uh, the riff is it's very Pantera-ish yeah and it's like I feel like at this point they were like writing riffs for people to learn not to hear yeah if that makes sense or not but it's just kind of like okay like i can play that like but why i don't know and yeah then the chorus is so like power chordy and mm. and like i mean just like i don't even need to play it i can just sing it and be like yeah i don't know I'll, I'll pass like and it's just kind of a shame because after that that you know, crazy guitar intro. I'm just waiting for like yeah. a dear mother, dear father, you know, just a right, double yeah. bass blast beat. Like, here we go. Come on, yeah. show us it's that like, you still no. got it. And so he's like, what the hell? What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, all you heard. You know, you know, not, a, not, not, a, not a closer to match Dire Z, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, this is definitely, as far as the struggle within, that was definitely how I was dealing with this. Because uh, again, yeah, like like Mark said, yeah, they well, actually, I, I kind of hated the that marching from kind of intro i think i thought it was too cheese ball for me uh, uh the guitars were interesting even behind that were kind of kind of reminded me of ride the lightning a little bit kind of that early 80s kind of classic metal song but yeah just oh god the, the verse is on here it's just like it's got that it's like he's trying to be punk rock but it's just not it's just kind of not hitting the target mm-hmm. it's like yeah you're yeah you're trap shooting and you're just not hitting anything it's just like okay well i got that 
what the hell? What the hell? What the... <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I can't get that out of my head now. <laughs> yeah. That, that totally yeah, killed no. it. That might have totally that killed hurts. it for me. That, 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 that's a good yeah. point, Chris, that you mentioned there. Uh, coming into this record the other day as my refresher, there was two songs on this record that were pretty, pretty much foreign to me. Ones that I don't know if I ever listened to all the way through or just had the least memory with. And it was this song and it was The God That Failed. And I got to this one and... I totally heard that. Like it, it opened up kind of cool, and then as soon as his vocals came came in, I, I, I winced a little bit. I, I, I'll say I, I, I cringed a little bit because I totally hear he's trying to do that punk rock thing, and and I get it because that's kind of how they grew up, and, and maybe it's an ode to that. But and, and it kind of got a little better for me. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's some there's there's some cool parts in the song, but it's. Maybe the weakest closer to date. I don't know if you guys agree. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, the uh, going back to Kevin's kind of like wrestling with like oh, this. I don't know if I really connect with the song, but I can't get it out of my head. Yeah, just that uh, the chorus and really gets stuck. Parts, especially that, that like go, I struggle with that. And again, that was another one where I found myself humming it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I found myself. Okay, I'm gonna throw this out yeah. there. Um, Bold idea. As I was snoozing through playing the song because I was trying to arrange this in my head, when I talked about track order, hear me out on this. Oh, so see if this works. You can tell me if it's a total no. That's okay. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm gonna cut my friend of misery and through the never. Okay, so those are just gone. Slot out unforgiven. So you bump up the rest of the tracks. So Wherever I, I may roam goes after holier than thou. Um, Unforgiven goes at the end, so it'd be the guy that failed the struggle within the Unforgiven to close the album. Hmm. So the Unforgiven to close. Yes. Well, oh, that yeah, makes that'd this be, filler. That's that's very climactic. Yeah, it's very climactic. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah, but but it's such a change of pace between the guy that failed that. Yeah. And the Unforgiven, you kind of need that. Well, it, yeah, this it's is a not clear a good, this... direction of where they're going with the Unforgiven. Here's one thing that, that that I forgot to mention that I thought of the other day and I, I didn't think of it just now. But uh, Mark, you know how you said when you were talking about the God that failed, you're like, this is sort of like their their approach at a sad but true part two, but it's not as good. They should have just yeah. did sad but true. I feel like this is that for holier than thou. Like holier than thou is just oh, the yeah. better is just the better version of the song. And yeah, maybe I agree. Yeah, they're they're, 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 they're yeah they're the two kind of hard hitting kind of raging songs. And there's Very enough simple, similar drums as well. Right. And there's enough material where you probably could have, I mean, 12 songs, you probably could have cut two or three of these off. I mean, hell, you could have just eliminated the last. Oh, I hate the God that failed. I, I got to give James a little bit because this is, again, yeah, a very personal song. I just wish the music, again, music better. But you probably could have. I said nothing else matters after nothing yeah. else matters. I love yeah. Wolf of Man, but, you know, I yeah. But yeah, you probably you, you probably like, could. Okay. Yeah. yeah yeah, you probably could have hacked off the these last three tracks, even though that would have I probably wouldn't wouldn't have made J uh, Jason very happy because these are kind uh, of him standout bass uh, pieces. But uh, yeah, there is just yeah too much unmemorable stuff here, and that was the thing. Like I felt like I got I know I got it for discussion's sake. I got to try to bring something out here, but it was a real struggle. Yeah, the struggle within <laughs> a struggle on a diamond selling album to get yeah. through it. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, you probably yeah, you would have still had what nine songs. I mean, yeah, if you would have hacked off the land, you would have that would have been a really that probably would have boosted my rating up quite a bit. But we'll get to that 
later yeah okay sounds good i think everyone's got their points in on the track by track we've made it through 12 and now it's time for seven for the buy first one to three gets an extra buy or a terminate ready to uh i don't know kick it off chris let's see if mark will uh will stick it in here yeah Yeah. (laughs) i got the knife out i'm ready to make the twist no i didn't win last time sorry you right uh chris are you taking you got another round of extra fours you take it at this album uh no okay uh yeah i'm gonna hold uh all right uh question one true or false uh enter sandman's original lyrics had to do with the topic of a bad nighttime drug trip (laughs) oh boy (laughs) who's bombing out who's bombing out early (laughs) i'm gonna do it i gotta do it everybody Right. I'm gonna bomb out early. I'm gonna say true. No, you are oh, man. You are bombing yes. out. Goodbye. I um, can't win yeah, any but, Metallica. Yeah, trivia. it was funny. Yeah, the actual uh, just from an interview I came across. Yeah, James originally focused the song around uh, the topic of crib death, which I know is pretty terrible. Uh, and I think Bob Rock and Lars agreed and said, "No, you that that's a little too dark for where we're." So they made uh, <laughs> so they told James to go back to the drawing board, and then he came up with a more kind of just normal nightmare related song. It's called but, uh, uh, sudden infant death syndrome. A great way, you're right? To yeah, not yeah, that the, yeah, that the, on the radio and become yeah, the that like, the like that the Sandman comes at night and steals your child. I know it's pretty horrible. Yeah. That, that might have that might have worked on like on Justice, but not here. Yeah, uh, on a record that sold twenty two million or almost yeah. thirty million copies. All right, uh, question number two. Uh, this is a multiple choice. Um, James got his vocal inspiration for the Unforgiven and Nothing Else Matters from what other early '90s star? Uh, was it A, Garth Brooks, uh, B, Chris Isaac, C, Mark Cohn, or D, Lenny Kravitz? No, no, nobody wants to answer any questions. I'm just going to buzz in to buzz in, even though I'm out. Uh, anybody want to take a... Chris got some good ones. Yeah, the Alex I... is right there. I don't, I don't know. I, I, there's a lot of these I don't... Ooh, this was for Nothing Else Matters, you said? And the Unforgiven in particular. Start picking those marbles, Chris. I don't, I don't know. Okay. Oh, that's oh, right, boy. the marbles. Yeah, I, I got to remember who is... Uh... I, I think that's 30 seconds gone. It's time for somebody to be <laughs> okay. forced to do this. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, okay. I had blue, uh, white, and per- pink. Who is... What were you, Mark? I can't... Uh... I'm pink. And Alex was white. I don't know. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you white. Okay, so yeah. pink and white. All right, here we go. <laughs> All right, what do we got? <laughs> this, this is oh, where wow. this is something for the buy and so. All right, here we go. All right, white Alex. Do I, I have to guess. <laughs> you have to guess, yeah. All right, so I'm sorry. So you said Garth Brooks, Chris Isaac, Lenny oh, Kravitz, just pick a and letter. who? Who is the last guy? Mark. Uh, John uh, uh, Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm sorry. It was Lenny Kravitz, Chris Isaac, Garth Brooks, and then who was the other guy? Yeah, Mar- Mark Cohn. He did that song, Walking in Memphis. God, I don't even know him, but something tells me it's probably him. It's definitely Getty Lee. <laughs> Man, am I about to bomb out early here? That might be okay, actually, for me, because I really only have two songs I want to talk about. Shoot. All right, let's go with... Uh... God, Chris Isaac is great, though. Let's go with Garth Brooks. Oh, you should have gone with the pre- your previous guess. Yeah, Damn it was it. Chris Isaac. Yeah, oh, he's out. Chris Isaac. Oh, cool. oh, all fun. right, Mark. Okay, this could be one of those ones where nobody wins. But uh, all right, I have to all get right. one right. Okay. So it's basically all on me. 
and this is yours. I hope is impossible. <laughs> I hope it's a true or false. All right, uh, here we go. Okay, a true or false. Uh, according to a 2009 Guitar World interview with Kirk Hammett, Kirk, well, hold on. Yeah, I know, I know you want to. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's an instant DQ. That's a DQ. No, well, yeah. <laughs> kill it, kill him. No, I'll. Uh, yeah, since he's the only one left standing, I'll give him a. Uh, but I, uh, I gotta. Okay. Anyway, so according to a. Uh, there we go. Right. Right. Just, 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 just put him out of his misery. Okay. No. I know. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, um, okay. According to that particular interview, or this particular interview, Kirk got the inspiration for the Ming solo in Enter Sandman after listening to Magic Man by the band Heart. True or false? Oh, my heart knowledge is not very deep. <laughs> <laughs> How deep is it? Like, like a, the kiddie pool deep? <laughs> like Less than that? A puddle? <laughs> Oh, did Kirk get his inspiration from a heart sign? It sounds so wild. Would it be something that Chris would even make up? Uh, Let me think of the enter. Kevin, can you cue up the enter Sandman solo for me? No. I know what the Magic Man solo sounds like, and I feel like this could be... What true. am I doing? I'm true. out. Wait, true. what are you you're, doing? You're, 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 you're dead and buried now. I'm on a lifeline. Chris, give me true. Uh, that is actually false. Um, it's a trick. It's a trick. It's a trick question, actually, because it did. It was the heart solo, but he didn't get it from listening to heart. He list, He was listening to Ice T, who sampled the heart solo on an album. Oh come on! Yeah. Oh, so that's great. Yeah. yeah. So not too bad. Uh, yeah, that, that that was the ultimate fu. <laughs> Jeez, the Ice T heart Enter Sandman connection. Yeah. Right, yeah, I got. I had to give you. I gotta get make you guys work for it. Yeah, so wow. uh, so I guess yeah, we have no winners uh, this uh, this time. Yeah, Chris, we, uh, no extra buyer. Does Chris get yeah. an extra buyer terminate out of that? I should for yeah Actually, for digging up all this. You, it probably took me what? an hour and a half coming up with these questions. You know yeah, what? The give it to him. Yeah, that's give hard it, work give him, earned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, you know what? He you won. Know, you know, here's a trivia question. I'm going to throw this trivia question here. I lost, so I can't answer this question. But I feel like it's a very appropriate question especially for this uh, group of guys here based on our uh, our hair metal knowledge here's a question for you what uh famous musician did lars throw darts at a picture of oh, i know this one ding 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 what are your guys' thoughts on that by the way yeah. You know what's you know what's funny. Um, I'm not. Uh, we should probably talk about this after the show. But if our listeners are interested, um, uh, Metallica was on Howard Stern about a week ago, and during their discussion, that topic came up actually. And uh, Lars was pretty humble and nice. He's like, "Yeah, I know. I was young. I was stupid. I know it was kind of a shitty thing to do that." Uh, but uh, it was something that Howard said that I guess caught the ear of Kip, where he said, oh, "I wonder what Kip's doing. Is he working at Starbucks now, or something like yes. to that effect?" And I guess Kip heard the interview. And I don't know if he was t- texting with Eddie Trunk or whatever, but I guess he was really pissed off about that comment because I guess it's something that even 30 years later, he still hasn't been able to kind of shake that off. Yeah, just that in the in that Metallica doc of just the darts. Yeah, the picture of him with the but uh, that's the first modern thing that I've heard where somebody's still kind of throwing crap at Kip uh, related to that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I guess mean, he, he was not he was not happy about that, though. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I'm actually kind of impressed that uh, this is the first winger mention that we've heard considering, I don't know if you call it a rivalry in any sense, considering they were just marketed <laughs> so differently and their sales figures right. are so different, but 
Yeah. Yeah. First time we heard that. Um, you know, what I always thought about an interesting trivia question of this album is that um, this album went diamond. So sold 10 million in the U.S. or more. Um, you know, Chris and I, I think you've and I have talked about this before, but it's very, very rare for a band to be able to follow that up. Just very, very few artists have gone double diamond where they've put out a diamond album and then they followed it up with a diamond album or the yeah, sales much from their... Yeah, I mean, like Eminem did it. Um, yeah, Pink, Pink uh, Floyd I, I did think, it. Uh, yeah, Michael Jackson obviously did it. Yeah. But uh, very rare, like even Bon Jovi didn't do it. Or, um, you know, so do you guys think that the sales of Enter, or not Enter Sam, <laughs> the Black Album, self-titled Metallica album, were so strong that either uh, Load or And Justice for All also made Diamond? Is Metallica a double Diamond band? I don't know if any of the 80s albums, I know, I think, um, if I remember on Wikipedia, I mean, I don't know, I'm not sure how accurate, uh, uh, as far as to the, or to the number of albums sold, but I think Injustice had 8 million, um, uh, Puppets, I think, had 6, uh, I think, uh, Ride the Lightning, I think, had around the same, I think, funny enough, Load and Reload, I think, only sold 3 or 4 million a piece, I don't think they... Yeah, well, Chris, I, I, I mean, you, you got it straight on. I mean, uh, it was eight million for uh, yeah. uh, and justice. So even with the strength of this album, it wasn't enough for Metallica to go double diamond. The right. highest of rarefied air among artistry. So uh, Adele did it, too, I think. Uh, so she did. Yeah, with the uh, I think they were with like the numbered records. But yeah, uh, like 21, 19. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, seven for the buy is one by nobody. So Chris gets an extra <laughs> buy or terminate in our love it or flush it. I fold them Love up. it or flush it. All right. Here we go. Move. Alex, take it away. Let's do it. All right. Well, we're going to start off order tonight is going to be Kevin, Mark, myself, and Chris. Let's open up with Enter Sandman. Kev, what are we going to give this guy here? I'm going to give it a love. Uh, yeah. Just going to move on. Yeah, let's do it, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I'm tempted to be uh, uh, the, that guy and terminate their biggest hit ever, uh, a la Chris and Jump. But uh, it's, it's the song that it's kind of on the edge of I would like to never hear that again. But when I listen to it, I understand why it was such a hit and why it was working so well in the studio. So give it a love. Yep, I'm going to mirror that completely and save a little time here. So, Chris, what do we think? Yeah, big love. Yeah, one of the few overplayed songs uh, that I still love to listen to. Yeah, already. And not much else to say. <laughs> okay. All right, yeah. well, let's move over to Kevin. What Kevin said, one of the heaviest riffs he's ever heard, and that's Sad But True. Maybe the heaviest song they've done to this point, maybe, perhaps? What do you think? Uh, big love for me. It works on so many levels. Yeah. Mark? Uh, you know, it's cool. It's got swagger enough to give Uh-oh. it a love. Again, Uh-oh. a song that I might not want to listen to or even dial up because I'm so sick of it. But yeah, enough for a love. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm going to say the same. Uh, I mean, a huge hit on the album, but one that I don't really get tired of hearing. And I like that it's a little bit of a change of pace. It's it's tune lower than anything they did at this point, And I think they, they kill it. I think it's great. So, Chris, what do you think? Uh, yeah, big, uh, yeah. Yeah, big love for me. Again, I'm kind of in Mark, the Mark camp a little bit, but it is such an iconic and such a heavy riff. It was interesting, and it was actually one of my other questions, and I don't know, maybe I'll just irritate you guys because you probably would have known. <laughs> uh, probably would have been one of the more obvious questions, yeah, that it was originally recorded in, like, in just E standard, and yeah, I guess Bob Rocks felt that, yeah, that it was such a great riff, but the impact wasn't there, so they made him tune down to the, uh, I guess, what would have been the, the like, the, the Dr. Feelgood tuning, which was drop D. Correct. Uh, yeah. 
and uh it does i mean it definitely yeah you can feel it (laughs) cool absolutely all right well let's move on over to track three holier than now kev what do you think uh i don't totally love this track but i'm going to give it a love because i think it fits the album very well that's what i feel like i don't hate it either i just don't feel as strongly about it as some of the others okay mark what do you think yeah it's better than the filler that appears later the carbon copy as you mentioned that i didn't notice on first listen but it's totally true i feel like this would have been a better opener especially at 348 real short and sweet opener um, but who am I to argue with a diamond record? Give it a love. God, I hate that I have to be next here because I'm, I'm very tempted to buy this song. This is a, this is my favorite song on the album, but I'm trying to think of my playlist. And my last buy was Harvester of Sorrow, uh, I believe. Man. And Blackened. And Blackened. Okay, so I did have a fast one there. Uh, all right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let everybody know this is my favorite song on the album, but I'm not going to buy it. I think I'll wait. So it's a, a, absolutely a strong love. This is like my favorite deep cut, maybe up until this point. So, Chris, what do you think? Uh, yeah, this was my One Stocks Are Rising song on here, but uh, not enough to buy it. Yeah, this is just a, yeah, uh, a very recent love for me <laughs> after listening to it a few times. Yeah, it kind of grew on me. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on over to the Unforgiven track four. Kev, what do you think? I'm going to buy this uh, song. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> so I think it, it it showcases where the band is and showcases where the band is going. Fair enough. I, I, I agree with that. All right. Well, let's move on over to Mark. What do you think? I am going to terminate this song. Whoa. Yikes. For essentially the same reasons, and you another. Know, you know, I am tired of my buys getting terminated by other people. <laughs> uh, I'm uh, so uh, tired uh, of this garbage. I'm wait. It's too bad I'm last. Wait uh, till next time. I thought, I'm I thought just you were terminating everybody. I thought you were oh, going to go not. right for you the. Better not. I, I thought you were going to go right for the jugular and just say, yeah, I'm tired of your shit. (laughs) (laughs) I quit. No, because you did it before, Chris, and now Mark did it. I've got a a personal reason, too, because the first Metallica song that I ever really maybe want to listen to Metallica and, you know, like, uh, you know, inspired by Lars, I downloaded the song on Napster probably because it was that era. Um, But it was um, The Unforgiven 2, and I didn't know that was The Unforgiven because I don't think they ever really say that in The Unforgiven's two lyrics, and I just love The Unforgiven 2. And I kept coming across the unforgiven one i'm like this is not the song this is not the song like where's the song that i'm trying to find <laughs> i kept getting this song and I'm like, no i hate this like stop mm-hmm. so that that also contributes a bit but that's you know, a personal reason i think that's fair this is a bigger hit that i i do like it but i mean i'm not like super stoked on it i, I think i would give it a, a squeeze i mean i gotta give it a love i mean it's a big song and i i don't hate it but yeah, I don't know if I would go as far as to buy it, I think. So I'll stick with that. I'll give it, I'll give it a love. What do you think, Chris? Uh, yeah, I am going to give it a, actually a much stronger love. I'm kind of close to that. Um, I just love yeah, just the growth. Uh, yeah, as far as songwriters, James the Singer, uh, you can see they really kind of took their time with this song. And again, it, it was one of many gambles on this record, and I think mm-hmm. it, yeah, I think it hits its mark very well. 
um it's it kind of it's, it's kind of funny you've got this and nothing else matters they're both very uh kind of like almost the ballads the two ballads on the record but they're very different from each other yeah mm-hmm. yeah you're right yeah 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 I, technically I uh, is, is a ballad yeah, I could see yeah that. well, it's, it's, that's pretty dark, though. I mean, I wouldn't consider that a tradition. I'm going to have this, what yeah, is a ballad and what isn't. Idea. Yeah, uh, but as far as kind of a traditional, like, pop rock ballad, yeah, the this and Nothing Else Matters, I think, are very... Again, yeah, not only putting two ballads on a Metallica record, but two, putting two very different... Yeah, I mean, when you listen to them, you know immediately, okay, that, like, one does not sound like the other, but they both are in that same kind of sonic vein. Sure. So again, yeah, I gotta give him props to the yeah, just yeah, yeah, just a very unique unique gamble. To- okay, sure. uh, that's yeah. fair. All right, well, let's move on over to track five, wherever I may roam. Kevin, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, giving it a love for pretty much the reasons I stated uh, in the track by track. Okay, Mark, what do you think? I'm very surprised that Kevin did not, uh, as revenge, terminate this song because I am buying it. Yeah, very nice. Uh, well, if I would have known, maybe I sh- <laughs> I, I would have. Because this is just the best Metallica representation of where they are at this moment, in my opinion. Not where they were going, not where they ended up going. They should have gone more like this, you know, uh, I think for many reasons that were stated in the track by track. Just a just a bury the needle. Cool song. Yeah, Mark, I'm going to I'm going to back you up there. I'm going to buy this one as well. Um, as much as I want to buy Holier Than Now just because I love it as a deep cut and I think it's super strong. I mean, this is a super impressive song. And the reason why I bought Harvester of Sorrow and Justice is it's not the biggest song in the record. And I, I wouldn't consider it a deep cut, but I don't know if I would consider it like a huge hit. Like if you're thinking about Sandman, Unforgiven, Nothing Else Matters, like those are like the monstrous hits where this one maybe is a little bit buried farther down, but it's the strongest of that deep cut, if you would call it that. I mean, it's not as deep as like a God that failed, but it's kind of in that middle ground. And I, I think it's the best, best representation of that. So I'll back you up. Chris, what do you think? Uh yeah, ring me up a third time. Yeah, I uh, yeah, this uh, like 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 yeah, like I said earlier on. Yeah, this is probably one of the most unique rock pop rock songs of the era. It doesn't it's it's a hit. It gets in your brain, but it doesn't sound like anything else. <laughs> and I yeah, I just love the and again, it's uh, the boys becoming men kind of road song too. Right. And yeah, just the you can feel it. I mean, again, as far as feeling like james like in there where everything's coming out i mean in the verses you can just yeah just yeah he delivers he delivers exactly so yeah i gotta gotta add that to my list all right well let's move on over to track six don't tread on me kev giving it a love it's my stock is rising oh stock is rising okay it is it is he announces it during the 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 love it or flush it okay i like it well mark what do you think I think that's interesting because uh, it's definitely got one of those moments that you can repeat, and Kevin seems to not be a fan of those with Metallica. Usually um, not. Yeah, in any other spot on the record, as I said before, this would definitely be a flush, but somehow it just kind of warms my heart in the middle here. I don't know why. Maybe it's just the follow-up to wherever I may roam, or it's just, it's you know, for whatever you can say about this song, it's really not filler. It just doesn't feel like it. So, I love no. Yeah, man, I, I could kind of back that. I mean, definitely not one of my favorite songs um again sort of like a sleeper section of the record for me but uh not bad enough to get rid of so i'll give it a warm squeeze chris what do you think 
Yeah, it's funny. You guys kind of saved this song a little bit for me, because, uh, again, I, all I could think of is just Kevin singing and just walking through his house. Do, yeah, <laughs> doing laundry or whatever. And just, yeah, and I just couldn't stop laughing. But <laughs> but I like uh, I like the chorus. Uh, I like uh, the, some of the guitar parts are, are pretty catchy. And uh, yes, yeah, so I'm going to give it a very light squeeze. Yes. Okay. Before we move on, I would just like to say before my errant terminate on The Unforgiven, this record is a solid, what is that, 4 times 6, 23 out of 24. Talk about top heavy on Bizer Loves. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, let's move on over to Through the Never. Kevin, I, we, know <laughs> your, we know your I thoughts can't. on that riff. Where is it going to stand in the decision? I just... Can I just say it one more time? We still don't have a flush. I'll make sure to make that my ringtone. Followed by the explosion, please. Please follow it up with the big T. Right, yeah, not the studio track, but just Kevin going followed by the explosion. That's how the. Okay, that's fair. Mark, what do you think? I don't think that this should be terminated from existence because it isn't like that. I wish it was removed from the catalog for you know various reasons. I just think it's so forgettable that if it were flushed, I wouldn't even notice. So ring me up for the first flush of this album. Okay. There it is. It's a long time coming. I've missed that sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah. when albums used to be bad. <laughs> You know what, to be honest, I, I like this song slightly more than Don't Tread On Me. So since I saved that one, I got to save this one. And I want to keep this album to one flush and one terminate. And normally I, I, I would do that with these songs, but uh, there's ones that I think I would rather pick. So it gets the save by that by that alone. So Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to pull out my rubber glove and I'm going to save it, uh, oh, give it up okay. a, a, a warm embrace and all the all the Chris's suit. rubber glove. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> There's our man. Yeah, even soaking in toilet water. I can't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got I, I got I, I got I to gotta hold it tight. Yeah, I got to is one, some fatherly love right there. Yeah, the, the, it was one of the first kind of Metallica songs that I. Uh, kind of learned not that i haven't played it in a while i probably have to try to but uh it it, it it has a special place with me so i gotta i gotta i gotta go dig my hand down there and next time we all out. go to a guitar store i want you just to just to chug that riff over and over until you yeah. get kicked out of the store <laughs> I, i'm i'm most people come th- and play for sandman that one guy in cme you can't get the room for what the heavy amps <laughs> are because he's sitting the there never. all day playing through the <laughs> never <laughs> Yeah, that'll be that'll be the first riff I'll play through that pedal I'm getting at to the B. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, let's ruin it. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, All right, anyway, well, okay, I digress. All right, let's, uh, let's. Yeah, let's move on over to I guess what we would consider the second ballad of the album, and that's "Nothing Else Matters." Kev, your thoughts? I like ballads. It's a love. Yeah, Mark. Wow. I like ballads too, but not from Metallica. Give it a flush. No, what a big hit. Oh, no, oh. It, that's Mark's, just, Mark's flushing one of the coolest moments of rock music but of all time. Anybody listening is better, and anybody listening came <laughs> better out for it. before <laughs> Metallica. Nothing else matters, and I how, can't get that comparison out of my head. How could you flush okay. that James solo? I don't. Can know. some? Yeah, can somebody uh, like uh, uh, 
Let's save that. Uh, I love ballads from Kevin. I want. I want a sound clip of that. I just. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, do, I do like. I don't have any problem with ballads. No, I'm I don't sorry. either. No, I just. I like how you said it. It just. Uh, it was very emphatic. <laughs> you love like ballads. ballads. Yeah. He does. <laughs> Yeah, I, All right. I'm sorry. I, I can't do the same as Mark. I'm going to say out of the two uh, <laughs> ballads. Well, I mean, okay, if you're counting My Friend of Misery, but I, I consider Unforgiven and Nothing Else Matters to be the real obvious ballads here. And I think I appreciate this one a little more than Unforgiven. And I think it's because of that solo. I, there's just something about it that I love so much. So I'm going to give it a love. Chris? Yeah, I'm going to get my... Uh third uh suck it towards mark yeah i'm gonna <laughs> give it a big love yeah. <laughs> down on this marking. yeah 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 that'll be yeah that'll be our uh as far as kind of going up against mark yeah well that'll be our it's, instead of saying i love it was just like this is our suck it to mark <laughs> like, I love three loves and a flush okay yeah all right all right let's move on over to the wolf track kev of wolf and man your thoughts I'm going to give it a love, actually. Nice. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you, Mark. Um, You know, had I not known that everyone is going to buy wherever I may roam, um, I might have shifted that very quickly without telling anybody to of Wolf and Man, just to make my playlist <laughs> a little bit different. Uh, yes, I'll <laughs> yeah, admit that's, that. that's for sure. But yeah, I mean, because I only have one buy, you know, this probably would have been my second buy, um, but uh, definitely a love. Awesome. Yeah. And, and like I, I announced in the track by track, this was sort of the first deep cut of Metallica that I heard about. So I have a lot of nostalgia for this song. And, you know, this and Holier Than Thou are those real kind of sleepers that I love so much. So uh, I'll give it a love, Chris. And an almost buy for Mark on this and a flush for nothing else matters. Wow. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, um, I think somebody needs to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> You're cut off. Somebody, somebody's grumpy tonight. Last um, call. I, I, don't, I feel like my opinions are perfectly fair. I just don't like no, nothing else matters. No, it's, it's a wuss ballad. Yeah. I don't know about oh. that, but uh, but of, of Wolf, Wolf and Mania, this is another song that kind of grew on me. Uh, I know I didn't specifically say stocks rising, but it, it did a little bit. Uh, I like how uh, uh, James's lyrical delivery really kind of saves it for me. Uh, or something that could have been just total camp that yeah, has a little bit more impact. So uh, just going to give it a love. Okay. All right. Well, let's move it on over to the last three tracks of the album here. The God That Failed Kev. Thoughts? I, uh, I am not going to be the one to lead the flush parade. I'm going <laughs> to give it a love. Oh, <laughs> wow. I know. Yep. I like this song. Jeez. I want to know what a flush I like parade sounds like. And I like this song. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mark? Wait, nothing else matters but done by toilets. Mark, <laughs> what do we think? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, Chris almost talked me into a love um, with the very astute point about the sequel to Dyer's Eve, but the music does not follow, as he also pointed out, so it's a flush. And to be honest, I could do without that song. <laughs> I don't know that I'll ever go back to it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go one step further, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and light the C4 on this pop. Light the Scott. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I kind of alluded to it. Uh, there was a, two songs on this record that I didn't really remember at all. And, uh, yeah, this has got to be my least favorite of those. So that's where I stand, Chris. Uh, yeah, again, just appreciating the lyrical context i'm gonna give it a very light squeeze uh again, again i agree with mark yeah the the music's fairly un uh, unmemorable uh, and just kind of it's almost like it's there just to move yeah it's, it's like rhythms to move the song along but 
Again, if it would have, I just, yeah, again, I wish they would have taken the same approach that they did on Dyer's Eve. I think that would have helped a lot, like some kind of variation on that. Uh, but I can't totally kill it off. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on over to maybe maybe the, the Jason song here, and that's going to be My Friend of Misery. Kev, what do you think? <laughs> I don't like it, guys. Guys, I don't like it. Mark? Um... <laughs> uh... Yeah, I, 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 I'm gonna wait for that bubbling to stop and break out Chris's <laughs> rubber glove. Um, oh, I, I think Kevin really? flushed a Chris's hidden, rubber glove. Yeah, I think Chris flushed a, or Kevin flushed a hidden treasure here. Yeah, I, I agree. There, there was something about the song at a young age that I liked. I liked the bass playing. I think it's a catchy little uh, riff or line there that he plays, and I like the bass tone on it kind of mm-hmm. unique and love the guitars actually i think the guitars are really what d- does it here for me so this is yeah. a love i like it chris it's yeah, too long I, I gotta flush this unfortunately i just <laughs> you don't have to yeah, i i, yes, I, I do chris thank yeah, you no i just i don't remember it and as much as i like inner like middle like interlude parts yeah i just like it when tool does it better yeah here it just i just can't remember I mean, I listened to the song twice on the way home, and I still can't remember half of it now. <laughs> the only part of the song I remember is Misery! Yeah, I know, and that's yeah. that's it. That's honestly all I yeah. remember. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. It's not bad, but that's... I look at the title, yeah. I'm like, Misery? Okay. That's James kind uh, of saving the other, bit, yeah. What was the other six minutes and 30 I'm seconds? I'm surprised you don't remember yeah, the boo, intro. Boo-boo-boo-boo. Yeah, it's boring. <laughs> I like it anyway. It's a, but hey, it's a jam. It's, it's, it, hey. it, it sounds like a worse glass prison by Dream Theater. Is it a gem or a mistaken piece of poop on the ground? It's better than glass prison for sure. <laughs> no, it isn't. Yes, it glass is. Prison is. Glass prison's got one of the all-time best intros. Glass prison needs to uh, diet. <laughs> okay, that's true, but that, that's a... That's a couple songs on there. You're going to be in a showdown here? Uh, anyway, <laughs> go, go, go ahead. All right, well, let's move it on to the last song of the album, and that's The Struggle Within. Kev? I am giving this a love. Thank you. <laughs> Mark? You, you know, I'm also going to follow that up. This might be a little bit of an ugly possum love. But <laughs> <laughs> it's a little shameful love. It's been too long. It's been too long since we've had the one-eyed possum. Yeah, the one-eyed possum. I kind of feel bad. That little, uh, that little military snare drum intro. <laughs> There's a warm spot. There you go. That's what, that's, what, that's what I think of your, yeah, your military... Yeah. Okay. Oh. Well, I appreciate you saying that, but this one's going down the toilet for me. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> gotta say, these were uh, God that failed, and this one were the two I didn't know. And I will say, I do like this one a little bit more than the God that failed, but not enough. You know, it, it was between Don't Tread on Me Through the Never, the God that failed, and the struggle within were the ones that I knew for sure were going. Uh, well, I saved those, but those were the ones where I'm like, okay, these are the ones I'm really going to have to pick through. But uh, I, I stand by my performance. Chris? Okay. Yeah, I've got an extra buy, don't I? Chris, you have an, uh, uh, you got you terminate You do, something. actually. You have an you, extra okay. buy. But well, that's what was, I was going to do. Yeah, no, I, that's you, right, yeah, I forgot you, I didn't. You uh, said you were going to. No, I'm, I'm terminating. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah, this has to die a slow, well, no, a quick death. Not a, not a good death, just a, <laughs> uh, just a death. <laughs> I thought you said, Chris, you were saving your uh, extra. Yeah, I am saving it. No, I was, yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, he, he had an extra one since he w- technically won the seven for the buy. Oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Chris, you I, got an I extra fooled buy you all. Oh, so or do you want an extra terminate? Or, or do you want terminate. to double terminate this one? 
No, I uh, double turned it. I just uh, killed the kill the remnants. No, I'm gonna hold on to the uh, my extra buy. Uh, oh, so, okay, he can choose not to use it. That's, that's yeah. Funny. So, uh, but yeah, just yeah, kill this one. It again. It for us for a legendary album. Yeah, this is kind of like we're just where there's it's just steam at this point. There's no fire left. <laughs> oh, you know, Metallica and their closers not a good combination. Uh, save Dyer's Eve being the exception. Right. Um, sure. Yeah. Don't know what the, what it is about it, and not sure it's going to get any better uh, as we continue on. But before we do that. We are going to pick the 30 seconds that represent this album the most. I usually blab out my uh, 30 seconds. I think there's a lot on this album that can qualify. The ending of Wherever I May Roam with those double-based Lars fills. Uh, Enter Sandman where the magic happens. Sad but true with the just uh, black hole level gravity in the riffs. Uh, maybe even a little Don't Tread on Me or Wolf of Man. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> or maybe we just want to go full wuss and pick Nothing Else Matters because that's where the band's going anyway, right? So why not go with them? Yeah. What yeah, do you the, think? That guitar solo is pretty kind of... Yeah, like, well, what did Kevin say? It's like one of the most legendary moments in rock. <laughs> I was waiting for Mark. Yeah, I was I was setting Mark up for a uh, <laughs> yeah for a uh, confrontation. <laughs> Throw out some opinions. What do you think? Thirty seconds at best for them. Resembles where Metallica is in 1991 I as I don't know the, the biggest band in the world. Right. The end of Inner Sandman. I mean, again, I'm just looking at it from just a objectively yeah. uh, that that you can't really. I mean, that's what you think of when you think of this record. That last word just kind of, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that that gets your blood going. Yeah, um, yeah I, that, 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 that's, I'll, I'll that's a strong, that's a strong alone. thumbs up for me. Kevin, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm backing that one wait, up wait, too, wait, wait, unless okay, you want you, another can, one. Okay, hang on. <laughs> let, let, before before we shut the door on my opinion, um, <laughs> let me try a little uh, wherever I may want. Struggle within the drum intro, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, actually, I like that. Oh, let's try this out here for size.
Any takers? As, as much as that drops the panties for me, uh, I think. Uh, <laughs> okay, Chris, I gotta yeah. say, you have some of the most unexpected one-liners I've heard in a long time. And I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, yeah, I'm glad to be of service. Uh, yeah. You're but, getting his uh, ideas from the spanked line. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I got my whole insi- uh, my whole Rolodex here of uh, yeah of immature uh, sex uh, sexist uh, one liners there. Um, but anyway, uh, but I still I think I got to give it to Enter Sandman a little bit. Yeah, it's just there's just something about that that, that thirty seconds that everybody just heard that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, for like for harder core fans, not that uh, wherever may, I may roam is a deep cut, but uh, I think I would go for that if I was more kind of on the maybe a little bit more underground. Uh, but yeah, it's just again that 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 uh, that end part in Enter Sandman. It just kind of sums up everything. It, yeah, it's the production. Yeah, yeah, where James is at. Yeah, just uh, yeah, the yeah, yeah, musically. Yeah, as far as pop culture, it just kind of brings all that together. I mean, I, I'll say that where Enter Sandman does not feature the Lars maturity in terms of the less is more approach. Then right, yeah, I don't know. Like own. I said, I mean, Under Sandman's not my. I mean, wherever I mean, Romeo is my favorite song here, but I'm just going as far as just looking at the album objectively, like in the context of when it came out and where the band was as a unit. Yeah, okay. I think that was Kevin, Alex, backing me up, maybe. Uh, you're close, but I, I'll tell you what got it for me. What, 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 wherever I may roam didn't do is that. I get it's the end of the song, but if I'm thinking of somebody listening to the opening of the podcast, mm-hmm. he's just repeating that line, wherever I may, wherever I, and it's great because it's the end of the song, but I'm just like, ah, I need a little something different there. Yeah. So that's it. There's a little yeah. bit more of a pick me up at the end of Enter Sandman yeah. where it, 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 even though it is the end of the song, it doesn't really feel like it's fading down as much as wherever I'm in Roman. And also the O oh, with that perfect yeah. time hit with the drums, if, if that's it. Well, here's the interesting thing about, and I'll concede on that, um, wherever I may roam, just though, just thinking about the Metallica Carnival leaving town as it fades out. That's kind of a cool moment with that fade there. And I have to hmm. think that maybe there's a Bob Rock connection here with Enter Sandman. First of all, would it have been as good of a song without that moment had to just fade it out on the guitar? Like, that's a very 90s thing, just to hit that last chord, maybe later 90s, and just fade out. Um, because if you listen to uh, Dr. Feelgood, and if you listen to the demos um, of Dr. Feelgood, and you listen to Kickstart My Heart, which has got one of the best endings of you know the whole 80s metal scene, um, where it just it mm-hmm. ends, and then it just like it keeps going, and Mick's going on, on the... Uh, I got that wrong last time, not the vocoder. Um, you know, the talk, the talk back, yeah, and, and how, yeah. Um, you know, how crazy that ending is, and how it's just something that just, just amplifies an already killer song. I have to wonder if Metallica, um, you know, went through the same thing with Bob Rock, and he says, yeah, guys, you got a good song, but let me dial up something more for you guys. And, oh, yeah, you know, just <laughs> add so much more um, to that. So I have to wonder, um, you know, not being privy to the actual trivia or information, whether or not that's a Bob Rock tidbit that might push that over the edge to be the 30 seconds that best represents this album. It might be. It's, it's I think, what also moves the song into the next level. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so I think we have it. We've got uh, the peak of Metallica. We've got it in the can. 
And we will be following up next week uh, with some interesting discussion on uh, reload or load, sorry, as we move into some uncharted territory, um, a band that rose up through the 80s and didn't quite peak in the 80s. I mean, you could say that they peaked artistically in one spot and commercially in another, and they still had plenty left in the tank. But did they use that to get where we want them to go? We will find out around the bend and load. See you five years from now in 1996 or next week. See you then.